Welcome everyone to Davos Fingers, episode 109, Someone Always Tells, featuring Bobby. I'm Scatty, and with me as always is my buddy Matt. Greetings, Earthlings. Really happy to have Bobby here. Longtime blood rider and a friend, a real friend. Uh, if you follow us or if you follow any of the other Ice and Fire podcasts or media out there, you probably know who Bobby MD is. Uh, one of the most enthusiastic people I know, always has a smile on her face. Um, how you doing, Bobby? I am doing really well. I'm just in, on cloud nine right now. I love you guys so much. <laughs> oh, we love right you back right you. back. Right back. Um, it's a happy time for us, Scad. Not only do we have Bobby, but it's almost March. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's It's time for Song of Madness. And when this episode releases, actually, we will be three days away from the official madness, and we will be a week in to our pre-tourney madness, which we've been previewing. There's... There's a lot of excitement. We had we had K2, Christie's cake reveal today, which helped reveal, you know, some details about the upcoming tournament. And it's been difficult not to give away all the details because we're so kind of excited about what we've got going this year. But there was some there was some real excitement. Yeah, it's I'm really happy to see everybody just kind of circling the wagons up again. It seems like every year this is just such a great time for us all to come back and hang out and yeah, and just really enjoy each other's company while we all suffer through this next <laughs> month of pain, misery, and woe. That's right. That's right. Scat and I briefly batted around the idea, Bobby, of being like super over the top, like joyously happy this a song yeah. of madness season like <laughs> to the point of annoying instead of instead of dire and woeful yeah like yeah. we no. usually are and no. <laughs> we would not like it we would not like it any other way it would just be such a curveball we thought it would be fun <laughs> it would be funny <laughs> i i don't think but then people would be like no they they, they they want the dire yeah but the so, fantasy dire i'm sure not somebody dire. somebody else would have picked up the mantle i'm sure but sure, uh, so yeah, sure. it's it's coming very soon. In in just uh, a couple days from from now, if you're listening on release day, you'll get the official brackets and the and the seedings. That that's going to happen on March third. Um, the official voting, the first matchups. There'll be four of them. There'll be four every day for a while. Uh, that's going to start on March fourth. And I I'm excited because we have a few curveballs that I think yes. people are not going to like, uh-huh. and I love it. I'm so excited yeah. to see just see the the gifts of dif- disappointment across <laughs> across their keyboard. Yep. It's gonna get brutal. It's gonna get real brutal. My uh, I go ahead. gave up social media for Lent, so don't don't at me because oh, oh, that's <laughs> I where you've been. I yeah. haven't been in, and I'm and I'm just like I did this right now. <sighs> so can Lent anyway, start in April? It, <laughs> yes i know right it's killer but um it's, it's, a, it's for a good cause so it is. you guys somebody can somebody can make up an account and vicariously but good for you well we'll get it's you true. an advanced form of the bracket and you can just send us back an email with your votes and we'll, you create a, yes! we'll create a fake account for you or something let's actually Excellent. do that that would actually be a really good idea yeah the the, the, fa- the yeah. fake bobby account the fake bobby account pseudo fake bobby bobby md uh-huh yeah it's not triple B. Uh, it's it's uh, 
P triple B. Quack Bobby. Yeah, Bobby Quack or something <laughs> instead of Bobby <laughs> MD. Pseudo Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Bob Bobby Quack MD. Bobby Quack. Uh, there we go. <laughs> it's it's almost I'm it's almost like Doctor Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman, but not <laughs> nice. Uh, Bobby Quack. I'm actually writing page... that down. This is important. <laughs> it is important. Yeah. Write it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so look forward to Song of Madness uh, already underway for for patrons, mm-hmm. and uh, and for those of you not patrons, coming your way in just a couple days. Yeah, I think it's still familiar enough to still be fun and everything, but with enough yep. curveballs to keep things interesting. So, my daughter just read The Hunger Games. She just finished the series, Ooh. and so we watched the movies with her. And now I get the appeal that the game organizers when they would throw curveballs at the hunger games players yeah. i get the appeal of it now scad it's kind of like <laughs> the difference is matt and i think you know they were playing with children's lives <laughs> what well we have what joffrey a lot of the time <laughs> Sansa, fictional <Arya>. characters <laughs> fictional characters okay it can okay. be just as tragic yeah <laughs> yeah all right, quick Patreon update. Uh, I Mercury is so fun. We released one of those uh, a couple weeks ago now. Uh, when you're listening to this, um, I don't know, man, Matt. We've talked about it a little bit. I'm having a blast. We've never covered any other pieces of literature besides stuff George has written, and it's just so fun. It's so different. It is really different, and. But it's not just fun for the difference sake. It's fun because the story that we're reading is a really good yeah. story. Yeah. Like, I'll admit that when I first brought up the idea of doing the I Am Mercury series, it was more out of support of our friend Grant at Heathen yeah. King on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It was like, let's just do Grant. He's our friend. Let's read the books. Let's read his stuff. Yeah. And I'd read about half the series just kind of casually, but really diving into it with you, Scad, has just, it's been a delight. It's been so fun. If you haven't picked up the I Am Mercury series yet, go to Amazon, go to, I forget the other place now. I could have told you at any other time except right now, trying to get it to roll off my tongue. Smash words. Smash words. That's it. Yes. 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 Five bucks, you can get the whole complete omnibus, nine novellas. Yeah, um, start. I, I I like it because of the, the the different styles. It's got it's it's mystery, but also there's science fiction in there. It feels noir like at times. Um, he mentioned that it's it's a bit uh, a bit like uh, Quentin Tarantino at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, it totally is. And, oh and my it gosh, is. I can't believe I haven't thought of that. Angels show up, unstable chemicals, sexy stuff. Which I hope there's more of that coming up in new books uh it was you know it's just it's a ride yep it's very good so pick it up and come listen to us on patreon talk about it it's a lot of fun and lastly uh our our episode for this month is going to be a what episode we have yet to settle on a topic but uh we love being with them scad no oh sorry know what we're gonna do we're just not telling them yet well we have several options we'll take anything (laughs) we'll say that uh but we are excited to do it we love those what episodes they're a lot of fun to unravel sure you betcha. All right. Well, today, let's move on and get, get Bobby involved here. We're going to be covering The Princess in the Tower. That's from A Feast for Crows. Uh, and it's a bit of a long chapter, a great deal of which is about Ariane locked away with her thoughts 
Uh, it tries our patience a little bit as readers. Uh, it's trying Ariane's patience a little bit uh, as she waits for Doran to, you know, to, to summon her. Uh, and maybe it pr presents a little bit of, of just Doran's nature uh, that we get acquainted with. But the end of the chapter is a friggin' lightning bug, man. It reveals some striking stuff that we didn't know before about Doran's path and just how careful mm -hmm. Doran maybe is not. Um, and we're going to be spoiling all sorts of stuff when we get to that point. So be ready for spoilers. That's what this section's about. Yes, sir. And if you want to talk to us because we like talking to you, uh, future episode ideas, just ask us questions, critiques, um, lobbying to get Bobby to join us full time, anything. <laughs> uh, you can find us at wearedavosfingers at gmail.com, Facebook. We're always on Twitter at Davos Fingers. And of course, our Patreon page is patreon.com slash Davos Fingers. That's right. Now, because we got a little bit of a long chapter, we're going to jump right into a chapter summary. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're going to bring it here, and then we'll get to know Bobby a little bit. And that's how this episode will go. So here we go. Chapter summary, part one of three. She'll take what she wants, and she'll take it from you. Knowing ambitions are dreams that you make come true. Ariane likes sand. Soft but suffocating Just take me now I'm yours Ariane was in prison. Okay, it was like a penthouse suite, but she was still in like the top one one-hundredth of a percent in terms of living conditions in Westeros. But still, you know, she wasn't allowed to leave. She was brought meals, bathed, given materials to read, and even a Syvast table to play, if she likes. But uh, against whom? Ariane had pleaded with Hota and with Ricasso and Sir Manfred and the Castellan to speak with her father, to know the fate of her friends, to ensure to them that she never meant any harm. Surely at least Hoda would know that she, would, she had never meant. What you meant does not matter, little princess. Only what you did, replies Ario. The rest, uh, the others aren't very much more forthcoming. She will wait in the spear tower. She will not see Doran immediately. And her companions apparently were sent to Gaston Gray. Freaky prison place. Indeed. Uh, intimidating. But once alone in her room with her thoughts and little else, the consequences of her actions hit her like a ton of donor sand. Grief. Man, grief and regret. Grief for Eris, whom she appears to have had seemingly very real feelings for. She cries herself to sleep over his death and wakes up with him in her head when her thoughts then turn to Marcella. All I wanted was for her to be queen. If we had not been betrayed... Arya tells her that someone told, and that memory alone turns her from regret to anger at whomever squealed. She had trusted her friends, and someone betrayed her. She dresses as scantily as possible with her father, thinking to play some mind games, and thinking that she would see him that day. But she doesn't, and nor will anyone acquiesce to her demands. She's brought food, but otherwise is left alone, and the grief hits her again and again, and all she can do is focus on the question of who told. Was it Ares? Darkstar? Her childhood friends? None of it's making sense. But when she speaks with her father, she would certainly find out. Of course. Of course she'll find out. But when would that even be? Day after day comes and goes without any change. Her servants feed her, bathe her, make her 
make sure she wants for nothing at all, but they won't talk to her, like at all. Despite peppering them with questions about Darkstar, about Marcella, about her father, nothing but silence from the servants. That silence is not golden, though. She comes to realize that this is Doran's torture, so she resolves to enjoy the quiet. But before long, her thoughts turn to her cousins, Tyene and the others. Thinking they may also be in the tower, she calls out to them. And that's right. She even bangs on the floor with a sandal, <laughs> leans out her tower window screaming for them. But there's no response. I mean, shouldn't they be here too? If her father harmed them, she would never forgive. Yeah, that's the end of that first section there. Okay, let's dive in. Anywhere you guys want to start? <laughs> the banging of the sandal on the floor. No, we're not gonna we're not gonna start there. But I just started thinking of like some somebody's like uh, Latino, Latino grandmother or something, just like wanting to throw the shoe at their head. That was that's totally what I thought too. <laughs> when I lived in Brazil for a couple of years, that was the thing. Yeah. That every you'd take off the flip-flop <laughs> and smack him in the butt with it and <laughs> or or eddie murphy delirious <laughs> with the shoe <laughs> the bang. anyway the boomerang shoe horrible anyway let's let's get back <laughs> that is our, out of the way that is our first yeah, yeah, yeah. delirious two, reference on the, the podcast the most important notes that bobby and i had we'll just get them out and... <laughs> yeah <laughs> But it, it's uh, it it is. I mean, it's maybe a little silly, but it's it's an interesting thing to to hit really quick. That it's it's a very visual. I mean, even when you were reading it, Matt, I did this on the camera, right? It's a very easy thing to imagine. Ariane just in frustration, just pounding her shoe against the floor. It's a uh, it's a very visual thing. George has brought to us. We can all see it. Mm-hmm. But but also just kind of. Uh, speaks to where where her head is at she's so frustrated at this point that she's willing to bang on the ground and scream her lungs out for basically the whole night trying to get some attention yeah it's noted the very first line of the chapter is hers was a gentle prison Mm. and sure it had that marble toilet seat with the mm-hmm. scents around it and the everything. Flowers, the flowers yeah. for the chamber pot. Yep. Which is, that's, that's beautiful. Um, but it's anything but gentle to her. And it's interesting to see, in some cases, she's so patient. And we'll see mm-hmm. some patience coming through here in a little bit. Um, maybe in the next sections. I can't remember. I can't remember where we drew the line on these things. But in other cases, it's it's really hard for her. She starts off thinking like, I'm going to dress all sexily, like Bobby said. I've got this whole plan. And then he doesn't show up for one day and she's like, bah! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And well, she's like, a princess. She's she, used to getting her way. It's totally true. It's totally true. Even yeah. when they come to bring the food, she's like, I'm not going to eat the food. I'm going to stand in solidarity with my friends and guests on Grey who are eating the moldy bread. Oh, but I'm really hungry. Okay, I'm going to eat a little bit. <laughs> I Which is interesting because later on in the chapter, she doesn't. But uh, mm-hmm. this part at least is interesting. She, 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 It's almost like she goes through a period of withdrawal almost, you know, where she has to come down from getting her own way all the time. And that's right. difficult for her. Yeah. She, I think she initially is just kind of wrapped up in her own self. Um, you know, she's not used to not knowing what's going on. She's not used to being separated from her friends. Um, 
And so, you know, you think, wow, you're just being a spoiled brat. You almost got this little girl killed. <laughs> and all you can think about is the fact that um, I just want to know what's going on. Who told? Who told? Who told? Yeah. So. Yeah, but elements from both of what you guys said, I I want to I want to stress. I mean, she is used to getting what she wants. She mm-hmm. is being impatient, and she's a princess and expects to get things, you know, the way she expects them. But I think it's also meant to set up some some change throughout throughout the chapter. I, I think we mm-hmm. see. I might have covered this when we covered the chapter originally. I don't remember, even though I did go back and listen to that episode. Uh, this <laughs> so is, did I. This is this is back to me like half the things I listen to if I'm multitasking I don't process. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> uh, the stages of grief here are pretty strong. Um, mm. I don't think George hits all of them, but for sure at the beginning she's kind of in some some shock and denial, right? That that mm. this is as bad as she thinks it is. She frequently just kind of says, "Ah, well, it's not that bad. He can't surely he can't punish us too badly." She she moves to anger. She has guilt about Eris's death, and then she moves to anger about who told. She'll later in the chapter we'll get to. She gets to some bargaining, but I think the I think the food thing is an excellent example because you're right. At the beginning, it's more of a show of of solidarity and some sort of denial or or anger, and toward the end, she's dealing with with absolute grief and trying to work through that right, and and dealing with real depression, and 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 doesn't eat and so it becomes more real by the end as she kind of works through these things. So. Yeah. I like that George gives her the space to work through those emotions. That's that makes what could be a very boring chapter. Interesting because you see her go through these different stages and it's not even like she's on an uphill trajectory or on a downhill trajectory. Cause that's a, I think those trajectories would be easier to write it's very much stages. It ebbs and it flows, and that's what mm-hmm. makes the that's what makes this writing so interesting. I think by the uh, time we get to that part where she's no longer eating um, and she's very weak, uh, I think that's the only thing she really can control at that point. You know, she doesn't have Ooh. the same grip on the people around her that she did, and she doesn't have her freedom. She can't go anywhere. She doesn't have her cousins, and. Um, She's kind of convinced that she's going to get killed at some point. If not yeah. killed, then disowned, and she'd rather die. So she's like, "Well, I'm just going to die first, and then I'll, you know, thwart his plans again." Sort of, <laughs> yeah. Attitude. I think you're right. You're right. You're right. And I, yeah. And I, I think we'll talk. We'll talk a little bit more about the detail of that too. I, I think by then, and yeah, we'll go into more of that. But she's tried a lot of things by then, and it's kind of mm-hmm. like. Yeah. I, nothing's working. I, I'm giving up almost, right? Um, yeah. All my and I think, tricks. I think a lot of a lot of that up and down ebb and flow that you're talking about, Matt. I mean, so so much of this chapter is just about Ariane's head, just what's mm-hmm. going on in her head, and certainly Doran is is using time to manipulate that and get her to to work through some of that. But so much of what's happening is her second guessing her father's motives. Is he going to kill me? Is he setting me up to marry? Is he just going to keep me here forever and I just never get to talk to anybody? Is he disenfranchising me? All of these things are going through her head all the time. How serious her crime was compared to how bad her punishment will be is constantly going through on a wheel in her brain. And I think it really sets up for one of the big reveals at the end 
this is a this is a young woman that even though this is about this treasonous act that she's committed, it's more about her very uncertain place in the world and about her place in her father's heart. She she has had this difficult relationship for years with her father. She steeled herself over the years to it to some degree, but the result of of all of that uncertainty of her place in the world and, and with her father is this up and down, I don't know at all what's going to happen, right? Yeah, yes. And I think part of that too is um, she... Um, she has an assumption about what his motives are in that, in that not knowing what exactly is going on. Um, and you know, that, that assumption is not a good one. It's usually a negative one. And that we can, it can be applicable to all of us. You might have interpreted, um, a friend not calling you or a friend not getting in touch as, Oh, they don't like us anymore. But if you don't reach out to them to, to clarify, <laughs> yeah. uh, everybody gets hurt. So, um, that's just been going on for so much for so long. Um, I've, yeah. I've said it before, I think, on this cast that that humans, when they when they don't know something, when they're experiencing uncertainty, they tend to fill that gap with negativity, not positivity. It's just yeah. human nature to do that. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think she's certainly done done that somewhere. For sure. Unless we, you're Matt. Uh, no, we tell ourselves <laughs> stories, and I. This is a big note that I'm probably going to be returning back through throughout the cast because it's a big theme in this chapter. But it's also, if I can get a little bit personal right now, it's a big theme in my life right now. Um, oh. I've got a. It's it's not estrangement. It's not even like a big blow up or anything. But things have been, without getting into too much detail, has been kind of weird with my family, like my parents and my siblings. Um, for a little bit. There's been just communication problems. We've been telling ourselves stories like you guys have been talking about. We've been filling in the gaps and those gaps, those stories that we tell ourselves are usually negative. I don't know why we as humans do that, but when we tell these stories that result from a lack of communication, they're almost always negative and they're almost always worst case scenario, right? And Yes, yes. And we've, uh, it was just this week that I was like, this has got to end. And so I went to each of my siblings. I've got a brother and I've got two sisters. And I went to their homes and I sat down with each of them individually and we just talked and we just aired out everything. And we told the stories that we'd been assuming about each other for months now. And everyone, and we found that the stories we were telling were the same thing, but from each other's perspective, if that makes sense. Like each of us had yes. been assuming the worst about each other and we got those stories out of the way and it was awkward and it was hard and there were tears with some of them, but we were able to finally just do it. And now our next family dinner where we all get together again someday is probably going to be a little awkward because we just had these deep conversations that we had and never had before, but it's about embracing that awkward now and let just like moving forward and that's totally what's happening with Ariane. She's been second guessing her dad to the point that it's just second nature for her to second guess him or to assume what he's doing or to tell these negative stories resulting from this one experience where she found a letter on his desk addressed to Quentin, right? And since then, she's just been assuming the worst and telling herself stories. And it's just been festering and festering to the point where that's how she thinks of her dad is always trying to second guess his motives. And it's just 
she can't get past it anymore. It's become such a part of her psyche. It's poisoned her for so long that it's just a part of who she is and how she sees her father. She can never just like sit down and be like, hey, dad, seems like something's wrong. What's up? She can't do that anymore because she's convinced herself that she's a victim of his wily ways. And that's really sad. Yeah. Wow, Matt. I'm I'm so glad you, I mean, I'm sorry that you're going through that, but I'm glad you shared it. Um, it's good now. It's I mean, positive it, now. The next dinner might be awkward, but you know what you won't feel is like the impending dread of going to that dinner, yeah. I think, right? You know, like, right. you probably, I don't know. I can't speak for you, I guess, but I know you pretty well. I bet you've kind of had that in the pit of your stomach every time you're about to go is like, oh, mm, I got this uncertainty and, you know, I don't know how it's going to go. And, you know, now at least it's aired and you know, and yeah, it's you're going to have to deal with it. So you, you don't just have know. that uncertainty. Yeah. And you find yeah. out that it's not as bad as you thought it was. Yeah, of course. Like, yes. if, like if Ariane would have just been like, Dad, it seems like something's wrong. Can we talk for a minute? Maybe he wouldn't have told mm-hmm. her the whole plan, which we'll get to later. I'm not trying to jump the gun. But things probably would have been a little better. Yeah, but we're putting a lot of blame on Ariane here, too. And <laughs> Oh, like, we'll get to Doran. <laughs> like parents know their kids. And like, has he not realized that in the last eight years... He hasn't had an honest conversation with his child. Yeah, does he not see that? Does he not see that every interaction they have is clouded by this thing that's now hanging over them and that it's gotten kind of, I know sometimes if they get worse gradually, sometimes it's hard to see, but like it's difficult for me to understand that he can have let it get this far. I know he's ruling stuff and he's busy, but this is someone that he loves, someone that has been a part of his life for, you know, a long time and that he professes to love very much and he doesn't notice that it's off the rails and so i think there's a lot of blame to go around but what's happening in her head right now for sure is about this uncertainty and this cloud that's been hanging over them for a long time Mm -hmm. that now has this very real and very serious crime underpinning all of it and we'll we'll get to how they deal with all that later beautiful guys i'm just railing Love it. <laughs> Keep it coming. Well, I'll t- I'll take it down like nine notches. Send me to prison if you improve the book list because this sounds awesome. She gets uh, a roasted kid with lemon and honey. She's got you know people waiting on her hand and foot. Baths tw- baths every couple days. Just bring in the hot water. Sounds great. I will take that vacation anytime. In fact, tell me the crime I got to commit. I mean, <laughs> like I'm not murdering anybody, but like. Beyond that, I might volunteer. Uh, I'm going to keep my mouth shut on this one. <laughs> not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get political. I can say some things out of the corner of my mouth right now, but I'm just going to not do it. I don't know. This is your chance. <laughs> I'm talking, Bobby, about right. this very specific prison where I'm waited on hand and foot. <laughs> Which doesn't exist, but in Dorn. Oh, correct. Yes. Yeah. Or- if you're the princess. <laughs> Or if you watch Parks and or if you watch Parks and Rec in Eagleton, remember that yes. one where yes. Leslie Nope gets Eagleton put in prison. Jail. Yes. Oh, you when guys are leaves, awesome. When she leaves, she's like, "I got to stop by the gift shop, the prison gift shop on the way out because their shirts are amazing, or something like that." Oh, Eagleton is the worst. The worst. The worst. And. Uh, <laughs> What is it? They bring her like scones in the morning and stuff for breakfast. And... Uh, <laughs> no, I... Does, I have a question. Does she love Eris? No. You don't think so? 
I don't think so. No. Does she even esteem him? Does she hold him in high regard at all? What do you think, Bobby? I think she feels guilty that he's dead. I don't think that she actually mm. feels anything for him. She's upset that it's her fault that he's dead. Did I just give something away I wasn't supposed to give away? No. No, no. We're, this is no, no, yeah. There's no, <laughs> we're pa- we're no dogs line. after dark there's, on this one. There's, yes. there's some general like, hey, we should stick to the general sections we're covering, but it's nothing's really off. Nah. No. Yeah. You know, initially, I, I think the reason why George let her, lets her go on so long is he, he starts out, you know, that like that first line, hers was a gentle prison. And then you, you kind of just read the lines and you're just like, boring, 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 boring. Wait a minute. Oh my God. She's so full of herself. Wait a minute. Oh, no, no. and then, and then all of a sudden you start realizing, um, that you're, like you said, you're seeing the different stages of grief mm-hmm. and it's like, George is trying to take you along with her. And to do that, you have to get that place where you're just like, okay, I'm sick of you right now. And okay, and now, oh, well, maybe you do feel something. But then, you know, she says something that totally blows you out of the water. And you're like, okay, no, you're really just a jerk. Um, but, but he just writes so well and um, is able to just take you along with it. And I think if he didn't make it long, it wouldn't have worked out as well. I agree totally. When I, I said in the opener that it tries our patience. I didn't yes. actually mean that we're bored. I meant that we're traveling with Arianne as the POV here mm-hmm. and yeah, she's yeah. freaking out. And so, and so we're we freaking freak out. out. Yep. And yeah. he's so good at that, that we're just right there with her. We're like, when, when, tell me, <laughs> when is this coming? Like, are you really yep. going to keep doing this, Doran? <laughs> like, <laughs> I kept on thinking about, uh, dude, where's my car? And then, and, and, then? No and then, no and then, uh, nice drop, Bobby. Nice wow. drop. No, I, I, I Eowyn I, and I quote that, and then more than more than probably we should. More than you should. It says a lot about you too. A lot about That's why I love movie. you. Um, the thing about Ariane with Aries is, this is the first time her games have gotten real for her right? She's always been able to do what she wanted to do. She can pretty much, it sounds like she could seduce just about anybody except Renly. And yeah, except for Renly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But for her, it's always been a game. And she lived in this fantasy Mm -hmm. world where there weren't any real consequences. Like the one time her and Tyene ran away to go try to visit Willis Tyrell at Highgarden, which of course she's going to do that. It's Willis Tyrell. I'd do it too. And she gets caught, and Oberyn brings them back, and no big deal, right? Nobody, whatever. Yeah. Now, this guy is dead, and it's all her fault. And she asks why. Why did you, why did you do this, Ares? She asks herself over and over, why did you have to run it? Why did you have to charge? Why did you have to do that? Why didn't you listen to me? Why? Because you asked him to, Ariane. You seduced him to the point where he was absolutely willing to forswear his vows. And you're asking why? Mm-hmm. These are chess pieces that have brains. Yeah. And exactly. uh, and, and they're not they're not always going to move to the spot that you tell them to. <laughs> uh, um, and we've learned this catastrophically. Um, oh my gosh. So yeah. We Her do. line is when she's trying to convince him to um, to help with the Marcella situation. She says, so your two princesses, her and Marcella, share a common cause. 
and they share as well a knight who claims to love them both, but will not fight for them. Yeah. That's from the Soiled Knight uh, previous chapter uh, before right. before the, the scheme actually takes place uh, earlier in, in A Feast for Crows. And she's manipulating him for sure. And I think she is manipulating him. And I think she's used to these lovers of hers being chess pieces, like you say, Bobby. But I think she kind of did fall for the meathead. He's he's genuine. I think as much as he's conflicted, he is genuine and he means it. And I I'm not saying she's in love with him, but I think she's got a soft spot for him. And there's absolute I, yes, grief and yes, guilt. But yes. I think there's some there's something more than nothing there for her. She sees a real a real valuable person in this suit of armor somewhere under there and and I think it's more than nothing. But I think But I'm not sure she's in love with him. The problem is, is I think that that realization came after he was gone. Yes. And she had to yeah. grapple with those feelings of having lost him. Yeah, and totally. She went, oh my gosh. So yeah. I know what you got till it's gone. That's some foreigner. That's, uh, or no, that's, uh, no, that's, that's. Uh, poison. Poison. Oh yeah, that's poison. Isn't that poison? Yeah, it probably is. How, how do I, how no, do I know No, 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 that's bad English, no, isn't that it? poison. That's bad English, isn't it? No, it's poison. I'm pretty sure it's poison. No, every rose has its thorn is poison. No. I, I think it's guess. bad English. We'll look it up, Calisar. Oh, you're we got some wrong. <laughs> what that, is my it? friends, is Cinderella. Oh, fuck <laughs> nugget. Hey, 80s long hair rock. Uh, we got two yeah. we got we got two real veterans of 80s long hair rock here <laughs> you, and we both you. failed. But they're That's they all kind of look the same. They do. Cinderella hair, big 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 lips. Uh-huh. Wear makeup. Hopefully they're not listening, but Cinderella <laughs> only had two or three good ones. Uh, <laughs> and can we think of the other ones right now? Um, yeah. Uh, chi- uh, China. No. Uh, mm. Nope, we can't. Nope, we can't. <laughs> it was actually supposed to be a rhetorical question. But... <laughs> uh, I thought I had one, but I think I I'm appreciate your it. effort. <laughs> uh, so. Oh. Wow, we're we're what were, we're you talking now? about uh, Aries and and um, and Ariane. And you how... said something. Whether or not she had feelings, yeah. And I, I had and, and you said you said that you thought she genuinely had feelings, and then Matt yeah. said she didn't realize it until he was dead, and that's yes. when I decided yes. to go and into that's... my little ballad right there. <laughs> and you guys couldn't yes. see it, but her eyes were closed, her head was thrown right. back. So, so, uh, so I realized. <laughs> Uh, I, I didn't realize. I learned this week, uh, to my shame, that I, I cannot believe I didn't know this because Jennifer Connelly has been in my top five since about two thousand forever one or something. Um, <laughs> and yes, Bobby, it's a little crude how we talk about our top five list, but it's something we do occasionally. Uh, no, I still listen to you. <laughs> I know. It's uh, acceptable. She is married to Paul Bettany. Yes, she is. Which I did oh. not. Which I did not know. Until how did you not know that? I don't know how I didn't know that. I mean, it says something to how seriously I take this list that it's not like I know a whole bunch about these people. But so um, did you find out because of the article that talked about how she's the voice of the the AI in in Spider Man? And yeah, yeah, yeah. What I was reading (laughs) mentioned that, but it wasn't an article about that. Um, But the what I was reading, I think it was all tied into Valentine's Day and stuff. But it was about how. He on on uh, September 11th, 
um, was in Italy and saw, uh, I guess, saw a crowd gathering around like a, you know, like a, a shop window or something watching a TV. And he's like, oh, it must be, you know, a football match. And he ran over there just to see what was going on. And just in time to see the second plane hit the building. Uh, sorry for those of you that have trauma tied up in this. I should have given a warning. But um, anyway, he he then spent the next few days basically cold calling her, trying to get a hold of Jennifer Connolly, and basically just saying, like, I'm coming to see you. We're going to get married. They had never really dated. Like, they were in A Beautiful Mind together, like, the previous year or two years before. But um, they had never really dated. And she was just like, okay. And he went over there and like, they started okay. a relationship and and they're together. They got two kids, I think. But the point, so th- there's a reason why I'm I'm going through all this. It took it took that traumatic, life changing moment for him to realize the feelings in, that he had for her. And he actually said, at one point in the middle of the calling, I think he said he put the receiver down and he was like, "What are, What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you calling this woman over and over again?" And he's like, oh, you idiot. It's because you're in love with her. And sometimes it takes a moment, a traumatic moment or, or, or something like that to, to show you what you're really feeling. And mm-hmm. like I said, I'm not sure she was in love with him. I think like you guys said, it, it came to be a very real moment for her, something that she hasn't had a lot of. It's, it's all play games right before this for her, things that she'd get mm-hmm. away with. But also, I think it exposed some very real feelings underneath the manipulation that she had. And it'll be interesting to see what she does with it, right? Like, how is she going to treat relationships in the future? Yeah, because um, we got a big she gonna one coming up. going to grow from this a little bit, yeah. Yeah, we with got a big s- relationship for her coming up. So. With a certain griff. <laughs> a certain a certain griff. Yeah. Potentially. Oh, yay. So exciting. Mm-hmm. Are you guys close with your cousins? Cousins, like first cousins, cousins, second cousins, third cousins. I haven't married any cousins. You know, I'm from West Virginia, so no cousins are married. (laughs) It wasn't even. And I'm allowed. Wasn't even on my radar questions, Bobby. (laughs) I just wondered. My mind went there. Matt, strike the "Did you marry a cousin?" question from there. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I just. Anyway, it went there. Uh huh. And now you guys know the quality of the colossar that you attract to your show. I'm just, I, I say it, I have, I have some guilt about my, I don't really have close relationships with my cousins. I wondered if, oh. I mean, she's just very close with them. I don't know. Uh, and, not, and not with her siblings. It's hard for me to imagine not, not being close to my siblings, but being close to my cousins. Yeah. There is such an yeah. age gap with her sibs, right? There is. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact and that Clinton, Clinton was sent fostered. away. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there was some separation. I guess it's whoever you're like around when you're a kid. Yeah, like I true. was close to my dad's cousins, but not my mom's side, my maternal cousins, because we were just always playing together with my dad's right. cousins. Um, but then as I got older and my, my dad or the dad's family wasn't as close, I became more close to my maternal side of the family and maternal cousins. So hmm. Hmm. It's it's kind of weird that way, but anyway. Yeah, Random. So I guess it is kind of who you're with, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had cousins guys... that I'd hang out with all the time as kids, but now we don't talk anymore, too. So at all? Mm. 
not often maybe oh. like every once in a while friends on facebook and stuff but mm. yeah can you i the mean thackers, the thackers have communication issues are you starting to see this <laughs> <laughs> we don't communicate as well as we could well i mean i'm like that with my with my best friends it's like i talk to them occasionally my yeah. one of my best friends from college just sent me a couple texts tonight and i'm like i haven't talked to him in i don't know a long time months and months and months I sometimes have communication issues uh, with people who know me in real life only because uh, of my profession. So they'll randomly call me at all hours because I'm like the, I don't know, podunk 911. <laughs> this happened you go, you, and you now call, my stomach Call this us. one first. You know, the, the CNA wasn't available. The respiratory therapist wasn't available. You know, we have people in our family that have all these jobs and it's like, oh, well, last resort, let's call the lady that lives six hours away from us who's a doctor and see what she says. And, <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm like, you could have called 911 15 calls ago. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know what? So I have a complaint because I feel like, I don't know when it was, 10 years ago, 12, I don't know. I feel like there's been a campaign like don't call 911. Right? Like, you should only call that for an emergency, and it, it <laughs> makes people not call it maybe when they should because they're like, oh, maybe I'll this give, isn't serious enough. I'm going to tell you an example. Okay. Um, uh, I, I take care of a gentleman who is an ENT, a volunteer ENT, and he was really kind of getting worn, um, especially right now with um, COVID. Mm -hmm. But they, they had a gentleman that called and said that he had a bruised toe. They're required to show up if you're called, regardless of what the complaint is. Mm -hmm. He gets there, and he's about ready to just go on off on this guy. Um, when he walks up, and the guy can't even put a sentence together. Bruised toe came out when he called the dispatch because he just had a stroke, and he couldn't put the words together. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. wow. Isn't that crazy? Another guy was standing outside of a hotel when they showed up, and they thought the reason why he called in was because he just wanted a ride. And they're like, dude, why can't you just call an Uber? Seriously, they will call 911 to get a ride. Um, <laughs> he And he was just disoriented. So he was like, you know what? Let me just put my EKG machine on you. It's just, you know, something that we use to check the heart. And he was having a heart attack. Yeah. So I think, what, I think the lesson is call mm. call it, I think is what you're telling just, us. Just if, when in doubt, rule it out. It. All right, rule it out. <laughs> When in doubt, this might out. be a good transition to some get to know Bobby questions, unless you've got other things. Oh, I, I know. For this I think section. I feel like I took it over. Um, do we really care to talk about where Dark Star is? I put the note down, but I don't know that I care to talk about it. Or his <sighs> motives in cutting He's up in the Marcella. Night somewhere. Yeah. He's I don't in the know. Dark. I, I, you know, my I, first. Go ahead. Okay. I'll let you guys drive. No, I'll well, talk about him if we ever talk about him again. But my my only thing with Darkstar is like meh. That's how I feel about him. Meh. There's a lot of that going around. I oh, of, okay, good. I'm not the only one. I, I just no, I, I don't even care. I think it's a pretty common feeling in the fandom because he's got the kind of emo I'm of the night thing going on. Oh but, my gosh, yes, yes. But <laughs> but, but we we kind of don't really know enough about him to like him or hate him. I feel to like. be invested. Yeah. Yeah. I but. He, clearly he's dangerous and good with a sword and, and people fear him and stuff. So like I, sometimes I think people write him off too quickly, but also like, yeah, he's kind of like, I think Her Ario could chop him in half easily. Yep. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, you mentioned he's good with a sword. So I don't completely buy the thing that the horse moved at the last second. I feel like 
someone, if he was that good and she was right next to him, he still could have delivered the killing blow if he had to. So Mm -hmm. then my question is, was he just trying to maim her? And if so, why? Was it really just to start a war with the Lannisters and... Maybe he's got a cousin that's into blood magic and he just needed some of her blood. Yeah, we don't know, right? Yeah. I, I'm I'm more more than the strike of her ear. I'm more taking it from what Doran says about him being the most dangerous man in Doran. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's for other reasons because he's a Dane and has some sort of bloodline issues. Although you know he's he's a separate branch, right, than the, the main Dane line. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what he means by that. So I, I I kind of always took him, I guess, more seriously than most. But he does kind of seem like a, a little douchey. What's up with all the Lannisters having like things like just get hacked like you know jamie lost his hand Tyrion, <laughs> Tyrion was supposed to get killed and just didn't he just got half his face chopped off and now his niece same thing near miss near miss gets maimed for life she's gonna be maimed for life you know because you think about it 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 took a while she like it took a while for her to get better um and well, I guess we'll talk about that later. But it took a while for her to get better. So you're thinking, man, she's just not going to look very good anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the ear is gone. So It yeah. is. Yeah. But I, I did hair. put that note down of I wonder if that will that will be kind of an unlikely link between her and Tyrion if she ever hooks back mm. up with yeah. Tyrion where they can kind of empathize with each other a little bit. And if that yeah. can kind of be something that draws the two of them together for purposes that I don't know or whatever, but or it could she'll be just kind of hate him forever because it was his, his idea to send her down to Dorne in the, in the <laughs> first place. Fair point. And then she looks at him and she sees herself because. Of it. Yeah. I like Marcella. I think she's, she's made of reasonably stern stuff. And uh, I think I, I, I am, I don't know why I think this, but I think she's going to come out of this okay. Stronger. Yeah, I think I yeah. I feel like she's got some inner strength to her. I don't know why I feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, my my note was kind of along that line about just who told, right? And, yeah. You know, do, do you guys have a theory, or do we we can maybe cover that in another section? Yeah. No. Maybe we cover that in the middle section, but it's definitely on her mind here. I'm clueless. Yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll come back to it. Let's get some more some more information. We'll come back to it. In the meantime, perhaps we should get to know Bobby a little better. Oh. Uh-oh. Here we go. <laughs> uh, Hope I won't be giving out, giving out any answers to any passwords I'm going to have. <laughs> we won't be asking any questions like that, but if you want to volunteer them, go ahead. Uh, uh, now, now. <laughs> the, first, the first question is the hardest one. Who are you? What do you do? What drives you? What, what makes Bobby Bobby? Yes, that is a hard question. Have you guys ever tried to answer questions like that? Nobody like wants us on if this their are show. Always... That's why we know, ask no, them. No, no, no. <laughs> but this is the kind of questions like all those self-help journals and stuff asking. You're just like, I'll forget this. I'm not even going to get past, uh, you, you know, um, page two. This is too hard. <laughs> uh, you anyway, you start a podcast, Bobby, and invite me on, and I'll answer these questions. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> All right, so about me. Um, okay, so I am a physician, a family physician. I am married, been married for 20, oh my God, it'll be 21 years this year. Um, I have four children, two girls and a boy. Um, I 
um, have a love-hate relationship with people. I like to help people. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of my day is basically looking at people and going, help me help you. All right. Right, right. A little Jerry, a little Jerry <laughs> um, Maguire action. Mm-hmm. A, just a little bit. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I had an epiphany when I was in medical school. I, I always wanted to be, and this is a, a kind of strange and I'm almost embarrassed to admit, but the first time I wanted to be a doctor was because I was watching Silence of the Lambs when I was in 12th grade, and I thought that the guy that pulled that pupa out of the girl's mouth mm-hmm. was the coolest job ever. And I'm like, <laughs> what does he do for a living? Whoa. And, wow. uh and then, I found, and then I found out what a forensic pathologist was, and I was like, I want to cut up dead bodies for a living. Uh, anyway. Okay, yes. And that's that's how I kept things. it. Like, uh, yeah. It's really, uh, yes. And the, the intro that you gave was like so great. She's all going to smile on her face, and people are always going to think now, oh, yeah, she's a true psychopath. And the anyway. yeah, forensic pathologist. But <laughs> <clears throat> So... But underlying it all, you, you know, you talk about the love-hate relationship with people, but it's this yes. what keeps you going. And, and how long have you been practicing? I've been practicing for 16 years. 16 years. So what yeah. keeps you going those 16 years is just that desire to serve, right? Yes. That drive yes. to the serve desire people. to serve. Yes. That's uh, noble. Because I was, I've been always told that I'm really good with people. Um I I still wanted to do the whole pathology thing all through undergrad, all through medical school. And when I got my third year, I was told by pathologists, you you know, you you have too good of a personality (laughs) to be cutting up dead people. To cut up dead Um, people. (laughs) And uh, you you need to like be a, I actually had a pathologist tell me I needed to be a real doctor. But I thought thought that you were a real doctor. Um, Anyway. I will just say for those listening that... We've talked with Bobby a little bit off the air and, you know, I guess any doctor can say, well, I like to help people, but Bobby's involved in all sorts of extracurricular things outside of her actual paying job that, that really speak to that desire to be help, to be a help to not just her patients, but to society at large. And you don't need to go into all that if you don't want to, but, um, you know, you're doing a lot and that's appreciated. Yep, admired. Yeah, I, I, I had to get a no button. My mom bought me a no button one year for Christmas because I can't say it, but it's easy to push it. So somebody asked me something, no. just hit the no button. It's like the easy button from Staples. Everyone remember Staples? Yes. That was before you ordered everything online and had it delivered. Boundaries and work-life balance. <laughs> yes. Yes. The constant strug. Yeah. So... I have, I have some questions. So you're a family practitioner and I have questions relating to this chapter, but I always like to, I always like to ask people in in these very specific knowledgeable professions about, about their specialty. What, what does George and a song of ice and fire get just dead wrong medically? Well, you know, it doesn't take a doctor to actually answer that, those questions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because we're, we're we're looking at a fantasy novel, so of course there's no such things as um, just dating a shadow baby in just a couple of days and squirting that out, and then uh, and then just standing up and acting like it didn't happen, or <laughs> or reanimating corpses that doesn't happen in real life. Dang you know, it, things like that. Yeah, yeah. but um, I, I'm just I'm actually quite surprised at how much he gets right, like hmm. the maternal fetal mortality rate um, hmm. without modern medicine and. Um, how deadly infections can be without modern medicine and antibiotics. 
So those things he does quite well. The description, this is going to be a deviation and it's not even this book, but this, the description of, gosh, I forget which Targaryen it was, um, in the melee um, in the Hedge Knight series. Um, yep. When he gets bashed in the helmet, it's Bale and he's conti- yep. he can- yeah. yes, he continues to walk, and then until somebody removes the helmet, and then that yep. that could really happen, y'all. That really, could really happen. Yeah, got that right. Excellent. Well, those mm-hmm. that's good to know. I have more respect for George than I had before, which is difficult to do because my respect for him is very high. <laughs> yeah, he did it well. He did it well. What uh, is you know we just talked about Baylor Breakspear. Do you have a favorite? minor character who are those those little guys that we know very little about but you're like i i like that dude for me it's willis tyrell uh, who do you got or gal very or gal. very little about no i i i would love to say that i i have a wealth of knowledge about these little guys that are in this show it, not in the show but in his books um <laughs> but I, I i don't really have like one little guy that sticks out that it's like, oh, I like that guy. I just want to pick him up, put him in my pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and not, I feel not that a, way not about a, like, most of a, them. <laughs> not, not like a little minor character. Uh-huh. Um, Is there one so, that you like would want to know more about that's intriguing to the point of, ooh, I want to dig into this person a little more. I wish we had a PV, for, POV of this one. Um, can we hurry up and just get Howland Reed on the scene? Yeah. Um, Ooh. Okay. Be nice. Good answer. Good answer. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm desperate for that. Um, and any of the Danes, besides, mm. oh really, the bad guy. Yeah. I just, I don't know. That's intriguing to me, politically, like within yes. the eyes and just that, uh, the silence is deafening. It seems. I, w- I want from that I want from that house. Melora Hightower. That's true. High towers for me. I, oh, want, yeah, I want yeah. it so oh, bad. Oh, that's good too. You're, in, you're into the Hightower scat? What? Hmm? This guy? <laughs> <laughs> no, the Dane answer is a good one because they're so present in the series, especially in the history, the recent yeah. history even, yeah. of recent and ancient for that matter. Um, yes. And and yet we know none of them. I mean, no. This guy, Dark Stars from an offshoot house, right? Yes. And, yeah, and we've, met, we've met little Nettie, goes to war. Right, uh, but we don't really know him. Know him. Hopefully, yet, hopefully he'll show up. Prominent family, wins. Arthur Dane, Ashara. Like, this is a prominent family these, that we these know are nothing like this, about. Th- right, exactly. This this undertow that's there, and it's like in some parts of the book, it's this elephant in the room. Please, somebody mm-hmm. explain what's going on here. Um, but yeah, it, and sometimes I feel like he's deliberately ignoring. <laughs> Yeah. The Danes. Yeah. Trying um, to make us. I, I, I go back and forth. I'm like, he's deliberately ignoring, or the world is just too damn big and he can't write everything. For sure. <laughs> I go back well, and forth. I'm like, I, which one is I it? Think, or both. I think you know by this point, it's not that it's too damn big that he can't write everything because he, I mean, the, the stuff he puts together is insane. Yeah. Well, we're on 10 years now, Bobby. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Somebody was, uh, I also run a book club, um, and at their latest book club, somebody was complaining that they were waiting for this next installment to come out, and they had waited four years, and I'm like, just shut up right now. Oh, please. Yeah, Yeah, sweet summer child. Yeah. (laughs) You don't even know waiting yet. 
No. Ah, uh, especially during this time of pandemic. What's what's your sunshine? What can you always turn to to bring you some joy? Kids. Children. My yeah. children. Uh, they could bring you much frustration, mm-hmm. but much joy as well. You know, little and, interesting stuff. And without giving too much away, you've got kind of the range of teenagers down to a little younger, right? Yep. Yep, I have a uh, 16, 13, 11, 7. They're all all different ages. Yeah. <laughs> Scad, you've got a 7-year-old, right? I have a 6-and-a-half-year-old and an 8-and-a-half-year-old. So right in, right in the middle. That's right. Her, yeah. Your youngest is a girl? Yes. Yeah. The youngest is a girl. Um, do you guys have any teenagers yet? No. You've got 10-year-olds. You're close. Uh, Well, 12 11. this year, actually. Oh, 12? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, in July, in July, um, yeah, I've got eleven-year-old twins, so wow, a boy and a girl, and then I've got when a- we started this, they were like five. Yeah, that's insane. It. Yeah, but my daughter might as well be sixteen or seventeen for sure. Yeah, she's reading friggin' Hunger Games. Holy cow! Right. Yeah. Nah, and she's reading you. Kelly Tomic comics. Those things are nasty. They're just violent. <laughs> She loves yeah. Scott's sister, Kelly, who's a comic book writer. She reads her religiously. In fact, Sked, she just wrote her a handwritten letter, and we mailed Aww. it off just the other day. Oh, for what? So, <laughs> um, well, uh, kind of a thank you. Um, uh, for the Christmas stuff? Kelly sent her some nice stuff for Christmas. Uh, mm-hmm. And and just she she likes doing that. She likes corresponding with people. Oh, She's nice. begging us for a phone. We still won't give her a phone. Oh. And that's that's killing her. Yeah. Yeah. She's a social butterfly. She's not like her father. <laughs> uh, I have found along the way that we had a lot of hard rules that we thought were hard rules as we were raising our children that have just kind of gone completely out the window. And I'm just like, okay. Because <laughs> they're still, they're healthy and they're, they're not running away. And... <laughs> They seem to be mentally okay, so you definitely <laughs> pick ba- your battles. The bar just starts to come down. Yes, you pick your yeah. battles. That's it. Yeah. They're not running away is a big one, and I, it sounds like I'm kidding, but like, I, just like maintaining the relationship, and mm-hmm. I'm always worried about like if I'm too hard on them and like they're just resenting me for. I've talked about this before on the podcast, but like, it's a big fear, man. That like yeah. I'm just so hard and so strict that they'll resent me. Or if you're not so hard enough that you're not. Exactly. Yeah. Right. That, that yeah. you're not a parent to them anymore. Um, my experience um, with like my patients, because um, I can't say this now because I'm not out of the house yet. But my experience has been <laughs> they they may seem like that they hate you and they want to be away from you. But then the moment they are, they'll call you every day. Yeah. Or they great. can't wait to come back and see you again. <laughs> so... Unless you're like Doran. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, Bobby. Ooh, throw a out a recommendation. No, we need we need a book or a band or a movie, a TV show. Something you think maybe. I mean, people might And you can't, maybe you can't say Cinderella. <laughs> you can't say Cinderella. Oh, the movie the band or, the band. or movie. <laughs> People might know it, but maybe it's an oldie but a goodie or something. What do you think? What do you got? Yeah, what do you got? Um. Well... If I'm going to just narrow it down to one thing that I probably, um, well, 
I'm just gonna throw it out there. Tool. I, I probably listen to Tool Ooh. like what, hun? Like every day. <laughs> every day. Wow. It's my thinking music. It's I wouldn't have music. pegged you as a tool gal. That's awesome. Okay, don't, don't yeah, don't judge me. Um, I'm not. I'm, I my it, respect for you just increased three hundred fold. Whoa. Oh my goodness. Um, I didn't yes, know you liked uh, Tool, man. I respect <laughs> the heck out of Tool. Yeah. It's and it's not just Tool. It's um, actually Maynard Keenan. Maynard. I, just, I will Maynard. listen to anything that he does. It's and um, it's really. I don't know. There's something about his voice. Um, you know, he cannot do covers of other people's songs, I have found. Like, when he tries he's, to sing other people's songs. His voice is too unique. His voice is just, it does not work. But when he does his own stuff, nobody else can do his stuff. And um, I, I know this sounds horrible, and I don't know if somehow he'll hear this. He'll probably take it as a compliment. But I imagine that uh, Maynard's voice is what Satan would sound like. <laughs> the voice of an angel saying... Horrible, horrible, oh, horrible things. things. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> you know what I'm really resonates with fan. me? Oh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. I was going to say what really resonates with me even more than Tool, for whatever reason, it's the music, it's it's everything is Pucifer. I like... Oh, yes! I like no, them it's even they more ha- than they Tool. all have a style. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, other band one of his, Yes. He, well, and the perfect circle. And I like the third circle. one. Perfect circle is my favorite. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That one spoke to me big time in college their own individual um tones i guess is what you could say uh, i would say the, the tool is probably more the progressive of the three oh, where you sure. have a lot of just the music and you know his voice is almost like an instrument um a lot of yeah, times because he's totally. not really oh my gosh when he screams i, I told my husband it's like every single one of the the parts of the songs i'm like oh i like this song and only because of this part right here oh he's screaming right now <laughs> He has moments in songs for sure. So yeah. I asked. So I asked for one, but we got Tool, Pucifer, and Perfect Circle recommendations. Yes, yeah, all yes. led by the very talented uh, Maynard James Keenan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so check that out, please. Yeah. Yep. At Perfect Circle Scad, I still will pop on uh, Tres Libras every Three once Libras, in a while. Dude. That, that <laughs> song just killer. rules. Yep. I'll that still thing. detune my guitar every once in a while and play that song, but I can't sing it like him. No and one so, can. No, nope, you don't <laughs> even try. Don't you just do your best. He has got some crazy vocal control. I just, I don't. Yeah. It's fascinating. All right, Anyways. bring it back. Oh, Great. go ahead. Nope. Song of Ice and Fire. Why did you choose this chapter of all the chapters, Bobby? What do you, what do you love about oh. it? What brought you here? Okay, so don't judge me. I keep on saying that. I'm just going to say it. It's all, this I, podcast because, is just about judgment. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. I know, right? I feel it. Um, I uh, because of my crazy life, I I, I love to read. I, I just I, I remember when I was a kid, I would walk in the mall. I was that kid that instead of having an iPad or a phone, I had a book, walking mm-hmm. around, not looking where I was going. Um, and as I you know, especially as I've gotten from undergrad into postgrad and then into residency, that just, that half of my brain just never got any attention anymore. Sure. And it's, um, so now that I'm in private practice and I have a little bit, a little bit of free time, um, if I try to sit down and read a book, I'm out. I'm like, I'm, I'm just asleep. <laughs> so I, <laughs> it's horrible. Word. Maybe it's cause I'm Word. old. I'm old too. I'm getting old. Um, so I listened a lot to a lot of audiobooks, mm. and um, I had my fourth child in 2013, and I had been told by 
patients and friends that I probably need to watch Game of Thrones. I'd probably really like it. And so um, I started watching it, binged it during my maternity leave, um, was very disappointed that I have to wait a whole year for another season, so bought the audiobooks. I was just like, that's it, I'm dropping it. Hmm. And I listened to all of the audiobooks um, with Roy Dutrice sounding like he needed to clear his throat just a little bit um, <laughs> the entire time, but I, I still loved him. Um, and was ready for season four when it came out. So the reason why I, I, I like this chapter so much is because of, probably because of Roy Dutrice hmm. and his amazing narrating of that, that chapter. Interesting. Um, he, he just really brings it to life. And I shared a little sample with uh, Scott just to let him see what it sounded like and <laughs> but uh because i had to like you just have to get and i was at work when i was listening to it i was trying to do finish up and there was nobody around for me to like share my excitement with <laughs> are you like, are oh. you hearing this right now are you hearing this and yes, that that was amazing. my first exposure ever that you sent me just like three minutes or so um, yes uh, and that's the first time i'd ever heard him i mean i've heard the name roy detrice a million times since being in this fandom but I've never listened to the audiobooks and never actually heard his voice. And I don't know what I was expecting, but it was not that. And really? uh, yeah, it's just, it's just gruff, but mm-hmm. like just effortless, effortless passion almost. Yes. It's, hmm. it's yes. really good. Yeah. I, I still haven't heard Roy. I'm still holding out. Yeah. I'm not a big audio book guy. I'll listen no, to him on road trips. Either. Um. But yeah. I don't do audio books I de- much either. I, de- I depend on them. I depend on them to be yeah. able to maintain yeah. my ability to be able to, I think to, I, to partake. I can see that. So. Totally. There's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. But. When I first started listening to this chapter, I, um, and even when I went back to read it, I was like, why did I pick this chapter again? And it's because I can actually <laughs> remember the day that I was listening to it and the chill bumps that I get every time I get to the very end of the chapter. And yeah. Doran says what he says and I'm just oh, like cool yeah I love t- I love the emotional connections to chapters or to songs to movies to whatever like I totally respect when someone comes to us and they say I want to do a chapter like because you know because of this theme or this character development or things like that all of those are great reasons but just as valid yeah. a reason in my mind is I just like it it just, yes. I made an emotional connection or I had a yep. very visceral reaction when I read it for the first time. And that to me is just as valid as character development or themes or whatever other reason. And so that's cool. I'm glad that you picked it for that among other reasons. I'm, I'm a little jealous. <laughs> it still gives me goosebumps. It still gives me goosebumps. I'm a little jealous because I don't have any memories like that of any parts of these books. I, I didn't start reading this series until we moved into this house. I don't do audiobooks. Mm-hmm. I read pretty much exclusively at home other than maybe a, a handful of times on vacation. And so like all the memories I have are just like, oh well, I must have read that somewhere in my house. I don't I don't <laughs> have, like there's there's no memory where I'm like, "Oh yeah, that time and I was there doing this thing and uh, I you just I, have I, such I'm a envious. calloused heart." <laughs> I mean, I don't know why I have to bring that up every cast. 
Well, there you go. One one reason to start introducing, maybe gently, some audiobooks into your life. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I can give you some other examples. We read, we listened to Ready Player One with Mm. the family on a trip, and my kids absolutely loved it. When the the movie came out, and they, I don't want to spoil it, but they did some major changes in the movie from the book. I heard. My, My son, who was nine at the time, looks at me in the first 10 minutes, crosses his arms like, Mom. This is not like the book. And I'm like, he's my son. (laughs) Oh, sweetheart. Come here. Let's go to the toy store. It's a different medium. um... (laughs) It was so sweet, but yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Shall we dive into the second section? Sure. All right. Here's the second, second part of the chapter summary. Here we go. Oh, after two weeks, she had enough waiting, demanding to see her father. That didn't work. So the next time the door opened, she dashed through, trying to escape. That also failed. So she used the weapon given to her, her guile. Yeah, she starts turning the screws on her bathing servant, Cedra. I know you've been commanded not to talk to me, but no one told me not to speak to you. First, she just opens the conversation like that. Then she starts mentioning Garen, who Cedra is a little sweet on. Then she baits the hook. Garen's a free spirit. He won't last a year on Gaston Grey. Several days later, Ariane has done enough. How can I help? Asks Cedra. Ariane quickly plots out who to send a letter to. But as Elrond says, her list of allies grows thin. (laughs) <laughs> she lands on Lord Fowler, whose sons are very good friends of her cousin Nim, and who doesn't get along at all with the rival Ironwoods. So she writes her letter on a page from the seven-pointed star, not wanting to request paper. She promises a hundred silver stags to the one who delivers it, and much more to anyone who manages her rescue. Her hand in marriage. Now this is the heir to Dorm you're talking about. This is a very princely sum, literally. Yeah, Cedra takes the letter, promising to do her best, but she never comes back. She's actually replaced, and again, no one gives her any information. No one can be compelled to come see her. It's it's more of the same. She decides that Doran is just determined to have her rot up here. Yeah, that or he's trying to arrange the terms of a marriage to ship her off. He has long been seeking a match and always picking completely unsuitable... Um suitors Mm. (laughs) but so far all applicants were unacceptable to doran too dornish too tyrell too far away or to arianne too old too few teeth too querulous none of them are a good fit for them but no one came to marry her either just more waiting it was driving her nuts she took to sleeping all the time and skipping her meals for days she slept and starved herself until finally ario hota came to her up and dress. The prince has called for you. She bathes, dresses, eats sparingly. She's frightened, she realizes. And she dresses contritely, no ornamentation. She will seek his forgiveness. She finds him sitting at a Sivas table, looking worse than ever, his gout's taken its toll. She feels bad for him, but she did not fall to her knees and beg. Father, she said. Yeah, so here we have kind of the middle section of the chapter where desperation starts to kind of really set in for her. Mm. And she starts doing some drastic things. 
she tries a literal escape down the tower steps mm-hmm. and doesn't get far. She tries when in doubt, rule herself. it out, right? When in yeah. doubt, rule it out. <laughs> yeah, rule it out. She should have just called 911. Uh, she tried starving herself, which we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, kind of, kind of this this psychological turmoil that we talked about earlier is kind of yeah really grasped at her now, and she's kind of mm-hmm. out of ideas. She has this mm-hmm. last good one with Cedra, um, which was pretty brilliant. I, I thought yeah. she did a, a really good job with it. Yeah, I yeah, it was a really good job. Um, <laughs> but it the problem in the end is is there's no one to write a letter to. <laughs> She settled yeah. on Fowler because, like, why not? He's <laughs> the best of the options that she has. But she really has no strong allies who are available, who yeah. are not mm-hmm. at Gaston Gray or somewhere else, and who she can trust. And uh, that really that's really too bad. Um, I was just thinking she's, I mean, when her dad was at the water gardens, which he was living at the water gardens for like the past two years or something like that, I think it was. And she was in Sunspear. Oberyn was kind of ruling. She was kind of ruling. She was kind of in charge of the parties and stuff like that. But that would have been a great time for her to network, I feel like, and really get yeah. to know some of those lords and Sunspear and, and ladies too. And maybe build up some alliances. Um but when it came down to it is she executed this plan of manipulating Cedra perfectly, but really to what end in the end? Yeah, I think it, it's kind of, um, it's it's more of the same from her. In, in the previous chapter in the desert when they're trying this whole Marcella plot, she mentions that in the past Oberyn had brought her and Tyene uh, and Sorella to this same location and they, you know, like, oh, Sorella was looking at every rock and turning things over and trying to find, you know, evidence of the culture and trying to learn it. And and Tyene was busy learning from Oberyn about how to get the poison out of snakes and things like that. And they're like, what did you do? She's like, oh, I sat on this. She doesn't say this, but she she remembers that she sat on the on the well, the edge of the well, and dreamed of a robber knight coming to rescue her. <laughs> and this is kind of a similar idea. Uh, she's interested in the she she has the end goal of rescue, right? And how romantic and, and great it will be to be rescued and she'll have her give her hand in marriage to someone who's surely dashing and, and these things. And then she has the front end of like, okay, yes, and I'll write a letter. And that's romantic too. But like all the middle parts are kind of like very wishy-washy. It's it's the mind of someone who's playing pretend, um, yeah. who, who, who doesn't have all the answers that she really needs to to be a real player. Yeah, well, she... she is a princess in the tower. <laughs> <laughs> so. She is a princess in the tower, yes. Uh, I wrote this note down in the last section, but she she knows how to play the game, but she doesn't necessarily know how to win. Yeah. And uh, Yes. Yeah, this is this. I mean, <laughs> he uh, Doran left her all those great books to read, mm. right? And the books that he left her were, I wrote them down, uh let's see histories geographies annotated maps laws of dorn the seven-pointed star histories of septons and dragons he's obviously trying to prepare her for rule he's any one her. of us nerds in that room would be reading them all <laughs> we would have as fans as fans of a song of ice and fire every last be just like leave me alone no dinner let me look at this map of dorn 
<laughs> leaves her the Cyvas table. Obviously, he explains that. We'll get to that in the in the next one. But um, now this is also an indictment of uh, Doran not communicating with his daughter because he leaves all these hints for her, but he doesn't let her know. He knows she's not going to read the books. He could have like left a note for her, like, "Hey, read the books. I'm serious here." Um, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this it's more of that sitting by the well waiting to be saved and little Annie Skywalker. This is a neat trick. Writing a letter. That's a neat trick. I'll try that. And <laughs> then what? Nice. But... Nice. Well, is it just a series of tests? And she, you know, I think she proved what Dorn was wanting to prove. <laughs> hmm, yeah. Which is? And, and, which is that she would not read and she would not figure it out. Um, and she would not uh, go beyond that whole somebody's got to rescue me. I still got to continue on this path to um, defying my father situation yeah. i mean what what must doran have thought when he found out that cedra had the letter and that after only two weeks it was about a fortnight in when she did this after two weeks she had already gone through all these stages of inner turmoil and her answer is let's do insurrection again <laughs> yeah right like that's what she like what must doran be thinking when that's what happens i i don't i don't think he was I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm just going to go put this out there. I don't think he was really, she wasn't number one on the list of things that had to be done after this coup, pseudo coup, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, he, Interesting. He, he, uh, he tells her, and we're, I guess we're going to get to that, all the stuff that he's had to do to clean up her mess. And mm-hmm. he, he's basically just leaving her there to know where she's at. So mm. she doesn't make another mess. Um, that's what I thought. Anyway, that was my impression. So I don't think that he's thinking, um, oh, this water, this, um, this servant girl has got a letter. I think he's put people in place. He's delegated that task. So he wouldn't have to use brain cells to think of that. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I just had the completely opposite read. I, I feel like, I, I feel like, this is his main concern. And yeah, he's got these other things he needs to deal with for sure with, you know, mm-hmm. sending, uh, sending the people to different prisons and everything, but or to different to be wards and everything. But I feel yeah. like this is a psychological test for her and it like, and, 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 and something he's putting her through rigorously right. and not that he's watching, but that he's getting daily reports about what's happening because he's mm. interested about what she's doing and how she's taking mm. it and, and how she's handling I, it. I don't know. I think what he's doing is, she, I, in her really experience, cute. she's never had to do anything like this before. So he's like, let me do this. Because what he's doing is he's going to prepare to have that that hard talk mm-hmm. that's going to either burn their relationship to the ground mm-hmm. or um, refine it. Yeah, but either he, way it's going to be painful but he doesn't so know I that think, she knows at all about the whole quentin thing right i don't think no, he he's, doesn't i don't think he's no, ready but, for a burn it to the ground conversation i think he's ready um, for a what the hell were you thinking conversation and yeah, he's hoping that true. this yeah. well i don't know it's just my opinion <laughs> I'm, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong I, but no. it just feels like he's putting her through this psychologically for a purpose to me but yeah, I also am a noted Doran lover and and uh, forgiver of his sins, so I could be wrong. 
Oh. I think I think you're kind of both right. I think that the the purpose is to help her get to a position where she can listen to what he has to say because yeah. he knows that she's going to push back and push back and push back. This is coming from the dad of the almost 12-year-old who is starting to see that already and sometimes I need to just you know, I, I have to let my daughter sit in her room for 20 or 30 minutes before I try to talk to her about the reason she is being punished right now, right? And Or four months. <laughs> Bobby is, uh, yeah. Just, yeah, just a warning. Some experience there, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you have to, to, to get them to a, a point where you can speak to them. And Hers so I think, was a gentle prison. Say that again? <laughs> that hers was a gentle prison <laughs> i believe it oh bobby yes i i can i can I, believe I it i sympathize with doran yeah. in that regard yeah. but yeah and uh I, I think i put that note down too of i think and i had both of your reasons i think that it's very much to test her resolve and try to observe mm-hmm. something from her but also to kind of get her out of the way for a little bit too like, I can't yeah. have her screwing up more stuff. Listen, I've got to arrange this marriage for Spotted Silva. I've got to um, talk to all my lords uh, about about uh, distracting Balon Swan. Yeah. I've got all this mm-hmm. different stuff I've got to do. I've got to make sure the sand snakes don't break out. I've got to plan all this stuff. I've got to try to, you know, I'm still thinking about Quentin. I need her tucked away right now. And I think there's room for both of those reasons. I think yeah. I think there's yeah. definitely room for him to do both. I see that. I, I also, in listening back to our the time we covered it last time, I made the comparison to Seinfeld, which I'll make again. This month, it's nothing to him. He's used to waiting sure. forever. And for this is nothing. It's a month. He's not, Quentin's still on the friggin' boat. He doesn't care. He's like, I got a month to deal with this. She's not going to die up there. And, and, and when he when he realizes, oh my God, she's actually close to dying of starvation. Maybe I will talk to her. Okay, he does something okay. about it, but yeah. but you know he's he's basically like I don't I don't need to deal with this, so I can put her away mm-hmm. for a bit and let her let her think, or just I don't have to deal with it. Like Bobby's saying, either way, he can be patient. That is a strength of his for sure, and a weakness. Yeah, and I think he wanted to deal with it, but I think he knew that that time needed to pass, just like um, Matt was hinting at. That time mm-hmm. needed to pass, so she would be willing to listen, so he could permeate this shell that she's formed because of these assumptions mm-hmm. that she's had for so long um, and, and get through to her. Hmm. Do you think, no, I'll ask this question on the next one. I'm going to write it down so I remember, but um, <laughs> one, one similarity that I see with uh, Doran and Ariane is that when they need to, when they get into playing the game, they can be incredibly patient. So Ariane, when it's all about her, and when she's she's put in that tough situation, she's banging her sandal on the floor, she's dumping flagons of wine over the servants' heads, she's yelling and screaming out the window, she's trying to bolt, but get her into a situation where she can start doing what she's good at and playing her games again. And she's incredibly patient. Like Mm -hmm. the way she dealt with Cedra is completely different than her behavior. The rest of the chapter. Right. And and she seduced Eris for six months. 
And I put that, that's the bullet point I have too. It took her Sorry. six months to seduce. No, you're fine. This is to seduce Aries Oakheart. And she, no problem. And Cedra's like, she's like, I won't bring up Garen today. That can wait till tomorrow. No big deal. And Doran's kind of the same way. There's one point, mm. it might be in the next section, where he says, like, I'm out of patience with you, Ariane, or something like that. <laughs> and, but all these other, but when he gets down to playing his game, yeah, a month is nothing. We can do this. It's interesting you put it that way. I, I had never thought about that before because I feel like they're very different. Ooh. But maybe they're not that different. And what they're both good at is being in control. But when they're not in control, they're really bad at adapting. I Yeah, we'll talk about this. Um, in the next think, section. Maybe yeah. in the next section, yeah. yeah. But even... And George, I think, gives us little tiny hints. I, I, try, I love to pull out these little hints. And maybe they mean nothing, but to me they mean something. The piece that... Ariane picks up and plays with on the Cyvas table when she first notices it was an elephant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the piece that Doran is playing with when she comes into the room is an elephant, an elephant, an elephant mm -hmm. which I think might also be a call out to the golden company stuff later on, maybe foreshadowing to the golden company stuff to come. Golden company is known for having elephants. Um, but uh, I think there's little bits of connective tissue that George maybe gives us there. So, Elephants don't forget. Ooh. Okay. Mm. Okay. There's something there. There might be something there. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I I love that the way you tied that together, Matt. Mm. Um. Yeah. I I'm trying to I'm trying to tie that not being in control thing back to the uncertainty component in the way she's mm -hmm. behaving, because yeah. I really do I really do feel like. A lot, a lot of her feelings are just tied to that, not knowing how she fits into this bigger picture. She's been told, for, you know, from the year she was one year old to when she was 14 that, you know, she, this was her land and, you know, that she was the heir, that she would have to marry and provide an heir uh, to Dorn. And, um, you know, then she reads this letter and kind of everything changes. And she's uncertain of that position that she's thought she's had this whole time. Mm -hmm. And yeah. now she's, you know, She's she's ready to kind of trade all of that all of that original past away to try to get rescued after two weeks of solitude. <laughs> and it's all about lack of control of that fate. Yeah. Right? She's been sitting on this for eight or nine years and done yeah. nothing. But now that she's locked away and she feels trapped, she feels like she gotta like do something, right? No, I think mm -hmm. you put it into the right words, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you kind of also brought up something um, in that control, lack of control. I mentioned before that, um, you know, Arian had gotten these people together to try to to, to manipulate them into trying to succeed in her goal. Doran is also doing something on a much larger scale mm -hmm. for the same reason. You know, he doesn't care about anything other than to well, i don't want to spoil anything but he has an end goal and <laughs> yes. it's not it's not in the best interest of his sons or his daughter uh necessarily that's true that's <laughs> okay true. and and arian had a goal and it's not in the best interest of Marcella. um and both times doran had this rogue daughter and arian had this rogue follower yeah and it it <clears throat> blew up in their face yeah. Wow. I hadn't made that connection, but that's a good point. I had put down a note about Ariane 
you know, using it, it not being in the best interest of Marcella, it not being in the best interest of Aries Oakheart. But I love how you connected that to Doran. Yeah, I think mm. they're much more alike than either of the two of them give themselves credit for. <laughs> and maybe yeah. we as a fandom too. She's a but little don't mini Doran. Arian that. <laughs> no. Don't tell Doran that either, I think. <laughs> no, no, no. No. You guys have opened up my brain to this whole thing about them mm. being so similar. But I'm yeah. I'm really seeing it now. She's it's much more she's it. she's obviously much more raw than he is mm. and Yeah. Yeah, unpolished. He's gaudier than she is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's just that's so painful to read all the stuff. I just ooh. yes, but you know what? Um, again, a medical thing that George gets right. Really? Yes. Have you ever seen Tophacious Gout? I don't Only feel like pictures. it's that common. Is it? Is it? Does this happen um, in? Okay, so regular gout can happen just about anybody who decides to try to eat the brontosaurus rib and drink a bunch of booze in Las Vegas. But um, to to facious gout, um, you can get a little pancreatitis with that too. But to facious gout um, is something that's more chronic and indolent and slow burning. And wow, how is this like um, somehow tying to this plan that Don has? Mm. It's perfect that he has gout. Um, and, 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 and debilitating um and will kill you oh wow did we just figure something out the gout about what's the gout the gout is a metaphor the gout is a metaphor for his feelings of revenge and the entire Dorn's or a metaphor for, for the kingdom of dorn i don't know but yeah. um uh, so yeah you can go all sorts of places with that but yeah gout can be horrible okay bobby with all that free time you have i just got an essay idea for you from a medical point of view, I want the full stuff with gout and drawing that metaphor into Doran and Dorn and everything. I think that would be awesome oh, nice. to read. I think that would be I awesome to, to read. I used to do four to eight page four to eight page essays in less than two hours. Like just crank them out. Okay, well I'll work on it. <laughs> She's actually writing it down, Kalisar. This yeah. is awesome. Yeah. I think that would be a really cool essay. It would be. I, I have to have a de- I have to have a um, deadline. Corey, well, we got first? we got probably an hour left in the recording. Can you do it while we talk? Oh, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not that good at multitasking. Uh, How about April first? April first. April first sounds when like is, really soon. When is um when is the song of madness going to be over? Uh, April fifth. There you go. Okay, there you go. I yeah, I think it's April fifth. Everyone's always clamoring for something after a song of madness ends, and we can be like, here, read this. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Oh, I can say that I've contributed my piece. The fandom. To the fandom. That'd be awesome. So, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if do you guys have much more for this section. Um, I was going to point out how good a match is Renly, Edmure, and Willis would have been for Ariane and for House Martell. Yeah. Um, both yeah. of, all three of them were brought up. It sounds like Renly, Renly actually came to Dorne. Um, mm-hmm. Ariane was invited to river run to meet edmure and then it sounds like willis was kind of her idea like yeah this thing might be cool yeah it was hard but, to see where it came from but he kind of wouldn't hear it and i, I think that's part of the yeah. brilliance for doran right is he yeah. was able to kind of make up some excuse for all the ones that seemed like they might be a good fit right. and for renly who might have been a good fit politically i mean i think everyone knew which way the wind was blowing with renly 
with Renly, <laughs> and he knew that it wouldn't work with Arianne, who was, you know, extremely sexual. Mm-hmm. But even from the, um, uh, can we spoil the next section, or do I need to wait? Yeah, a yeah, little yeah. Bit? yeah. Let's yeah. just do it. We're in. Yeah. He's talking about how he's uh, Doran's been working at the downfall of Tywin Lannister, you know, for fifteen yeah. years or whatever, and all three of those matches would have given him some advantage. He couldn't have taken on all of House Ty- or Lannister, but, I mean, imagine having House um, Tyrell as an ally if, yes. if he was finally able to strike against the Lannisters, how beneficial yeah. that would be, right? Yeah. Um, now, we know that we already had the Viserys agreement then, but to your point, Skad, uh, that showed terrific restraint, I think, for Doran and is a credit to his patience that he was like, oh, mm. yeah, Tyrell would be good, but no, uh, I can't do this. I've got to stick to what I'm doing. No, A, a credit or a criticism. I mean, no one to hold Maybe. them, no one to fold them. I mean, you know, it, we talk all the time about in this in this series how, you know, prophecy can kind of can kind of wreck you. Right. It, it makes you hold to certain things and eschew certain things. In Danny's case, particularly, but but elsewhere as well, Cersei and, and others, um, you know this this betrothal is similar. It's it's given him an end goal that is so far away. Well, guess what? You know things change since we wrote the original Constitution in this country. Life is different now. <laughs> oh no! Yes. Guess what? Yes, here things it is. changed in Westeros <laughs> since since you made this betrothal. Perhaps you should look at the other options on the table. You know, when it turns out that Viserys is a complete a-hole and the stories you're getting from across the Narrow Sea are not good, maybe you should look at other options. And he's, yeah. you know, he's kind of tied into this this plan. He's he's a slave to it a little bit, maybe. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and or a if... slave to his a slave to his ambition, which is to ultimately completely destroy House Lannister. And I don't think I think he wants to do it financially and physically psychologically mm-hmm. i mean he wants to just do it to to the utmost and i don't think he he thinks he can do it with any other house other than the, that that house yeah that's a yeah. good teaser for the next section i think it really is yeah okay shall we shall we get to know bobby a little better with um Ooh. yeah bobby do you have any, any other notes i'm trying to look to see nope. if i do uh <laughs> yeah no nope, i'm good i guess the last little teaser also is she ends that section saying she's going to be chaste and humble and contrite and then uh, isn't. Yeah. I don't think she knows how. Yeah. And yep. it's when you, I've known that, I know this from this past week, that once you actually do sit down and communicate with someone who you've needed to communicate with for a long time, once yeah. the floodgates open, they freaking <laughs> open. Yeah. And yeah. anything you had prepared goes out the door and emotion takes over. And it's extremely cathartic. And I'm glad she did it the way she did it. We will definitely yeah. see that coming mm-hmm. up. Yeah. All right. I, I just, you know, a good example of that, and it's not really tied to this book, but my book club, we just got done reading a book. It's um, All Adults Here. Mm. I can't remember the name of the author. But, um, I, I mean, I, I read it because it got picked. I, I didn't <laughs> really feel strongly for it. But it was like a family drama type book. There is one section of that book, and I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who wants to go out and read it, that stays with this character, and it's, you know, she she thinks about it all the time in relation to her son, 
and she thinks that she has scarred her son in some way. And later, at the end of the book, her son can't even remember that event. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. even, he's like, what are you talking about? Uh, I've had conversations whatever, like that with my mom. <laughs> whatever, mom. I'm upset because of this. And she yeah. had no idea. So, yes. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's a quite common thing amongst, amongst mm. uh, humans. It's, so it's fascinating, the things we hold on to, right? Right. Oh, that's a great tool song, everyone. Look up the grudge and Ooh. read the words. Yep. The movie starring Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> Never do that again. Buffy! Don't Never oh do my that goodness. again. Buffy's in Japan! I'm hanging up this. <laughs> was, it Patty, was it Patty D on Twitter who was talking about how sometimes you just want to watch the bad movies? Sometimes yes. it's just totally. what you need. Yeah. 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 I don't know that's why that's coming up now when we're talking about the grudge, though. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's fine. I can't say enough. <laughs> <sighs> Bobby, what is your song of ice and fire story like? How did I think we heard maybe maybe the hint Part earlier? Of it. Oh yeah, yeah. Started with yeah. the show, yeah. mm-hmm. but is mm-hmm. that is is that it? You got recommended this, the series, and you were you're like I can't wait for a whole year. So went for the yeah. books i actually said no several times um i think the first time it was recommended to me was um 2008 2009 and then um i i just knew they were large and i <laughs> i get i get i do get invested in something if i like it a lot so probably the first thing i ever got invested with was x-files Oh my goodness. Oh. When I was a kid, I just got taken over by Mulder and Scully. And then, oh, she wants to be a forensic pathologist too, or she is a forensic pathologist. This right. is a sign. I'm and she has red yet. hair. And she has red hair like me. And it's a sign. And so I just, you know, when you're like, what? I was in middle school. Um, I'm just like, yeah, I, I carried it through all the way. First time I ever had the internet and got on forums to talk about a show was The X-Files. So wow. don't, don't use that against me. But, um, and then, you know, it just, it, it came along with that. So anytime I find something that I might really like, it's hard for me to get invested because what if they, you know, what if, what if I don't get the satisfaction that I'm expecting? Or like with Lost, what if the show <laughs> totally cops out the last two episodes? So I hope I didn't spoil anything for anybody, but some people think that it's really good. Other people think it's really trash. So anyway. <laughs> I'm not sure you spoil anything, but I think you just made Heathen King's People to Kill list. Oh, I hate that show so much. But it, that's another one where out. I got on forums and I was like, oh. What if the author so never finishes show? the books? Oh, what if the, oh. oh, whoops. Yeah, that's, oh, a, you know, that's that? a touchy subject, Sit but I'm totally, in a, I'm totally in agreement with George when he just gives the big middle finger to that one. Me too. He does absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. Yep. It doesn't mean I want it any less, but I, right. yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yep. Uh, yes, we do love this story. We love yep. this story, and yep. um, and he has a legacy already that is yep. amazing. But yes, I will always wonder what happened. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> We're not giving up. Finish. He's finished. <laughs> but after after maternity leave, after I finally did just dig in because I had six weeks of nothing to do, and you feel like you're hallucinating because you just don't have anything to do. Um, when you're a professional and you've been stuck at home with a baby who is perfect. By the way, she was perfect. She slept. She burped. She did everything she was supposed to do. So I had no problems. The house was immaculate. Um, I bought – I didn't have access to HBO. I just – I don't 
like having to pay for cable. So I bought every single, I bought the first season from Amazon because HBO didn't have streaming at the time. I bought the second season, the third season, and then the fourth season wasn't coming out. So you guys know what happened. No, you don't. You didn't watch the show. I watched it. Did. did you? Okay. So yeah. Red Wedding. Red Wedding happened at the end of the season three. And I'm just like, I look at my husband and I was like, there's got to be an end credit scene. They're, they're going to pull Marvel on us and they're going to be like, oh, psych, that didn't really happen. Um, no, we were very upset. And so I was like, I said, I'm reading the books. And so we just, we listened to the books together, um, and did that the whole year before the fourth season. And, um, I started just being hungry for everything, every little spare second I had trying to find other people that liked it as much as I do. And, which, um, which sounds like you're the answer to the next question, them. which is how you found the fandom. Was it, did, uh, what did you, what did you go for first? Was it podcasts or was it? the forums uh, like, or what like I, said, I feel like every answer i'm going to give people are going to come out and be like oh boy i can't believe she actually said that preston jacobs oh yeah preston okay, that's jacobs. fine yeah and not Dude, and not people because love that guy's stuff. of not because of the theories about things like why the seasons are different or you know aliens or anything like that mm-hmm. um but because his analysis of the political machinations of these houses is amazing. Hmm. So even if you're not into A Song of Ice and Fire because of the fantasy aspect, the political aspect is so awesome. For sure. That's what I always yeah. tell people is mm-hmm. it's it's about people and families and politics. Yep. And it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. His his Dorn series is amazing. Really? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have to, it's a blind spot for me. I, I never really listened to him. Um, not, not bef- before any negativity came out. And I know there is some out there with him that, with something, the way he treats some artists and stuff, but um, I just never got around to it. And then mm-hmm. there's, there's just so much content out there. I kind of had my go-tos uh, yeah. and I just kind of never went to him. And then my number two was History of Westeros. I fell in love with Aziz's voice first time I heard him. Yeah, Aziz is great. You and all of yes. us. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I, uh, History of Westeros, I binged a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. And you know the great thing about Aziz is he's mm. just as much of a sweetheart in person, if not yeah. more. Yes. Yeah. <gasps> so He is when I just met... a good human being. Yes, yeah. when I met Skad. In 2017, uh, I met Aziz and Ashea, and they didn't mind me giving hugs because I have no bubble, and um, <laughs> and let me take pictures, and I was totally fangirling. It was amazing. Um, they let me hang out with them um, in what was it 2018, just uh, just to hang out, and just talk. It was uh, fantastic, delightful, delightful. Yeah, they're delightful. they're great people. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've talked to Ashea a lot less than Aziz, but I remember, I think I've told this story before, but I had talked baseball with Aziz for like a half an hour on a campfire once. It was just <laughs> like, like, I mean, uh, yeah, he's just a cool, cool dude. Yes. Um, you kind of mentioned X-Files. Is there, is, is a song of ice and fire like your number one? Is there another fandom or, or, or is there another pro, you know, series that's kind yeah. of above that? Uh, you know, I, I had a hard time coming up with this. I told my husband, I was like, there's, there's really nothing else that I have committed as much time, <laughs> like just yeah. learning everything. But I think part of that is because it's just so expansive, right? I mean, you've got so many characters and so many stories and 
so many theories. It's it's probably the reason why it just takes a lot of time. <clears throat> it's the reason why I listen to you guys. I don't have the time to analyze this myself. I don't have the time to come up with these theories myself. I don't have time to read Reddit. <laughs> um, but I joined Reddit because of A Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> Word. Word. Keep, keep coming to us for theories like Matt's uh, Jock and his Amaze Maker and is there to uncover the secrets of <laughs> Dragon Isle. Hey, the, the fandom's looking for a hero. <laughs> I'll be that hero if you need me to be. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so no, uh, there is nothing. There's nothing. I have things that I go to, okay? I And this is, again, embarrassing to admit. If I am completely just tired and I need to just scatter focus and just mm-hmm. recharge. I will put in one of two movies. Again, don't judge me. Oh my gosh. Such a basic white girl thing, didn't it? But Pride We're and not Prejudice, Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice 2005. <laughs> Is that... <laughs> you, you mean, Matthew, you... Matthew McFadden as Darcy. Ah! Okay. okay. And then... Um, so that's the... Uh, uh, that's is, the is port- that... No. Kira that's the one with... Portman's, Portman's body double as the as the lead. Yes, <laughs> Kira. Yes. <laughs> Look, I forgot about that. Sabe. Anyway, yes. Yeah. And then the other one is Sixteen Candles, which my oh, teenagers wow. reminded yes. me the other day. Mom, this is so cringy. I can't <laughs> believe they made a movie like this. I was like, oh yeah, I guess so. But I, I know every line out of that movie. Man, so much stuff that that came from our childhood is now considered cringy and yep i think it's i think it's valid to go back and and look at them from a new lens to kind of point it, it out to point For it out sure. but it, yeah but i don't i don't think it means you have to love love it for the nostalgia you had for it mm-hmm. you know i i don't know like i i totally i totally get why people go back and analyze these things and kind of pull them apart but it's like okay good job but you're right don't don't mm-hmm. be so angry about it that that like you go on a rampage. Obviously, there are exceptions, um, you know, with actual wrongdoing of humans. But um, I don't know the whole the whole tear, so, I think the whole so tear down moved. the classics yeah. thing is bothersome to some. It degree. is. Um, it is because you got to wonder what what are we tearing down with it? Um, what are we losing in that process? But um, you know, uh, hmm. yeah, we 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 there. The culture changes just as much as we change. We're yes. not the same people. Nope. We don't think the same way we did when we were 12, 13 years old. That's why it has um, value to tear them down, right? To see how we've grown, right? And sure, yes. And stuff. Good point. Yes. Mm-hmm. But that nostalgia is just as genuine. And the feelings that are associated with it are just as genuine. Um, so I got it. It's on DVD, so I don't have to worry about trying to stream it. I got my John Hughes collection downstairs. <laughs> yes. I got some kind of wonderful... I got me some weird science. Some uh, I don't have Ferris Bueller's Day one. off. <laughs> uh, Home but, Alone. Uh, Come on. Uh, Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. Uh, we do watch Home Alone. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I always kind of like, uh, John, really? Did you? I, I don't know. Um, but he did. Yes, he did. Definitely. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I like what you said about what are we losing along with it. I've talked on the air before about my love of the Cosby show. And I still yeah. love it. And yeah. You know, we tear down the Cosby show. We lose one of the greatest female characters, in my opinion, in TV history, which is Claire Huxtable, which yes. is exactly who I want my daughters, <laughs> my daughter to watch and see. And, and yes, 
take inspiration from, you know? So yeah, it doesn't excuse Bill Cosby and the monster that he's turned out to be, but you know, what do we lose in the process if we're canceling the Cosby? So, so, it, and, you know, that's just an example, but yes, yeah. I think we talked about this during the sound check. Um, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. With, with Whedon and you know, what, yep. a, what a kind of disaster mm-hmm. he's turned out to be. And yeah. I certainly don't forgive him any of that, but like, no. I'll be damned if I don't, you know, pop in Firefly and love it or, <gasps> you know, watch, <gasps> watch Buffy Firefly! and, you know, but, but that doesn't make him any less, less of a, a trouble, a problematic yeah. human being, right? Like, no, exactly. And, anyway. And, you know, it's obviously the big examples, um, Rowling and, um, you know, I, 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 I certainly don't mean that we shouldn't be challenging these things. Absolutely. We should. Sure. And yep. We need to learn, we need to learn about the bad behaviors and, yep. and, and deal with them. But the media is the media and you you can you cannot just eliminate parts of yourself because these no. things come become new you know get new information about them well so yeah. they're they're a part of you they're a part of who you became and you mm-hmm. can process them differently but you can't just get rid of them it's exactly. it seems defeatist to me yes so well there we go yeah let's how are we help each other off these takes let's all help each other off the soapbox here yeah, yeah. prepare for the inevitable cancellation <laughs> i think i'll just stay up here for the rest of the episode i'm pretty good at soapboxing. <laughs> all right what uh i think you've hit this one already let's let's go to what's your favorite theory that is yet unproven in the books um oh what was the one that i said oh <laughs> i had jokingly put on here quaith is a shara <laughs> But I'm like, oh, no, no. And then, and then I put LOL. Uh-huh. Um, no, I, uh, I I think my favorite conspiracy, my favorite theories, not conspiracies, my favorite theories, because every time I think of them or read about them or I see somebody has made a post about them, I just, I feel invigorated, I guess is a good word, or like I just did, had a shot of caffeine. Um, the first one is the... The Grand Northern Conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, which is which is certainly hinted at um, a lot, and the the other one. Um, um, speaking of not wanting to cancel, um, is moon meteors. Oh. And the idea of what possibly caused the long, the long night. night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so th- those are the two big ones that I spend a lot of time reading about chasing the, after yeah yeah the grand northern conspiracy only because again such a basic person i'm a stark girl through and through i just you know you're gonna if you're gonna tell me what nothing wrong you know, with that you're gonna ask me what my favorite house is it's stark ned stark is the reason why i went from episode one to episode two like so many other people who mm-hmm. started out with the show i'm like this guy's amazing and then realized quickly not so much but still yeah. I, it's boringly rewritten. Hook, yeah. line, and sinker. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like with the GNC, there's there's so many layers to it that yeah. like some of it could be true without all of it being true, right? Yeah. And for sure. So mm-hmm. I, that even came into my I really like that one. Go ahead. That even yeah. came into my thoughts uh, reading this chapter. With was Hoster Tolly mm-hmm. potentially yeah. trying to bring in House Martell into all yeah. of this? Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yep. 
are we going to see the Squishers? Anything's possible, Fancy Man. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? It would Wouldn't be that really be cool? cool? One more other layer to add to this. Matt doesn't want it. Look at him. Mind-blowing <laughs> fantasy would be the unknown. And and um, I think uh, another one of my favorite uh, creators, um, uh, Quinn. It used to be Ideas of Ice and Fire, uh-huh. and now it's oh, Quinn's yeah. Ideas. Uh-huh. I absolutely love love him and um that was that was his big thing about how there's so many themes that embrace that whole fear of the unknown uh concept in a Mm. song of ice and fire that we'll probably likely never know because that's the point that's the point of just not of just not knowing um so yeah very yeah, cool. it's meant to more highlight the fear than actually be these characters that show up yeah the antipation patient yeah that's Rocky Horror, Matt. Well played. Yeah. Are, are you Which a Rocky Horror play? guy? I can't no, see, but I, can't I know see that you one. Sitting Rocky I know Horror. that one. Oh I know gosh. that one. Yes, yeah. I watch it every Halloween. Don't judge me. Matt, oh, Matt's, into, right Matt, with you. Matt's into a lot of a lot of good stuff, but I I can't see Rocky Horror being in his belly. Work. It's it's really oh. not. No, it's you know. It's I mean, just, you know, it's, it's certainly it's, unique. Frankly, let me just throw it out there. It's not good. The ending makes no sense. It's Not it's full of holes. It's a disaster. Trashy. But it's yes. fun. But it's and Meatloaf's and in it, curry. so oh, that's yeah. why you hate it. Nailed it. Meatloaf's in it. So oh, it took me way too oh. long to get there. It took me way I'm too sorry. long. I'm sorry. No, Tim Curry. Tim Curry. I will watch anything, listen to anything <laughs> yeah, that's that he does. True. Even oh, Home Alone 2. Just... Especially Home Alone 2. <laughs> uh, Home Alone 2's a drag. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> not as like much as Home Alone 3 Oof. Uh, oh. or 4 I think they made 5 Ooh, oh gosh. my gosh stop really Ribbons. I think so yeah. Yeah. Uh. Um, Azor Ahai will we see him with a real light bringer an actual like mm. or her or her I, I feel like it, I feel like at this point Azor Ahai is almost like um, Odin or yeah. You know, any other figure, right? Um, and you know, because of some of the other creators I watch, it's like not only has George created this uh, beautiful world, um, that I just don't, I, I can't imagine how he can get so detailed, but um. It seems like he's hidden not only Easter eggs about you know football sport football teams and and <laughs> his favorite comic book characters and stuff like that, but he's also hidden meaning that can potentially point to the whole point of the series um, with mm. just his use of or his incorporation of worldness. And so I feel like Azora High is just uh, a a planetos world myth. And, you know, he's Azor Ahai in one aspect of the world, and he's um, the Bloodstone Emperor in another part of the world. And um, Yeah, I'm with I, you. I agree. I, th- yeah. I actually think Azor Ahai might be multiple people. Yeah. Or, so. or an event that they explain with Azor Ahai. Yes. That makes right. sense. Right. There's something that our minds can comprehend, you know, so we, mm-hmm. yeah, much like Greek gods or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Whenever I hear squishers, I still just think of Yoke Boy and just the way he says squishes. <laughs> and I love him. And he I love seems, his accent. He's with a little so sly smile on his face. Yeah. 
sounds so polite. He's he's, he's great man. to listen to. Yes, I love that. I love Radio Westeros. We do too, and Yoke himself. <laughs> uh, very kind. That guy. Yeah. All right, are we ready for chapter summary part three? Let's bring this thing home. Let's round third. So Let's do it. Fantastic. Round right. third. I think that's Woo-hoo. about where Aries Oakhart finished his first time, wasn't it? Somewhere. Rounding third. <laughs> you know, I'll be, I'll, I'll be straight up honest. I don't really know the bases very well. Seems like if you make contact, you're doing pretty well to me. <laughs> well, if you're making contact, you definitely pass one. <laughs> And depending on where you're making contact determines if it's two or three. <laughs> it's two, yeah. That's true. I oh, meant with the ball right on the bat. What were we talking about? Bobby, you were know. saying that we don't think the same as we did when we were 12 or 13. <laughs> and that's true in some ways. Some ways. And in some, some ways. ways, it's really not. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. All right. Should we jump into this? Let's do it. Yep. Section three. Yeah. So do we get uh, quick answers and resolutions from Doran? No, of course not. We get a discussion about Syvas. He asks Arianne if she's been playing with the table that he had placed in her room, indicating that sometimes it's best to play yourself to study a game before you play it. Yeah, Syvas isn't for him, though, he admits. While Oberyn loved to fight for its own sake, Dorne only plays games that he can win. Then he asks Arianne, finally getting to the point, why did she do this? Finally! For the honor of our house, she replies, calling him meek, telling him he should be raging at her for what she did. What follows is a brilliant conversation that reads almost like a play, to be honest, but we'll try to distill it down without all of the dialogue. But I couldn't resist in some spots. <laughs> it starts with Arian continuously baiting Doran to action and Dorn rebuffing these requests by insisting there are reasons for his behavior. Then Arian asking for these reasons and Doran not giving them. However, eventually some key pieces are doled out. Yes. Uh, first, Darkstar is not yet caught. Also, Marcella is not dead, but her disfigurement will be with her forever. And the disgrace on House Martell for allowing this to happen to their ward is high. Uh, this insurrection could very well still lead to open war with the Iron Throne. A war Doran warns that they cannot win. Yeah. Arianne shows Doran no contrition, despite actually feeling some. She just wants to know how he knew her plans. But again, Doran isn't telling. He expresses his disappointment again, but she replies that he is a constant disappointment to her. He just takes it, not rising to the challenge. She asks for leniency only for her friends. They don't deserve to die. And Doran agrees. He has dealt with them all not unkindly for the times and crimes committed separating them to avoid further malfeasance, but doing them no harm. Doran then asks how and what Arian did to gain the loyalty of Sir Eris Oakheart. And as the reader knows, she made him fall and promised that Marcella would let them wed. He did love me. He died for me, Arian says. And Doran replies that he may be the first of many, again mm-hmm. hinting that this might all lead to war. Sir Balon Swan of the Kingsguard is coming to Sunspear to bring Doran the head of the mountain. And hiding the truth from Balon won't be easy. Arian then realizes 
he needs her help to make sure that Marcella can tell a convincing lie about what happened. That's why she's here. But she resists again, asking why she should help him. He indicates he is losing patience with her, but when she asks why she never lost patience with the Lannisters, he launches into this, and I just have to read it because it's too good. Yeah. You mistake patience for forbearance. I have worked at the downfall of Tywin Lannister since the day they told me of Elia and her children. It was my hope to strip him of all that he held most dear before I killed him. But it would seem his dwarf son has robbed me of that pleasure. I take some small solace in knowing that he died a cruel death at the hands of the monster that he himself begot. Be that as it may. Lord Tywin is howling down in hell where thousands more will soon be joining him if your folly turns to war. Is that what you want? So good. Okay, even this does not have the effect desired. Arian is not backing down. She wants her cousins freed, her uncle avenged, and her rights. Ah, finally we get to the crux of the matter. Arian has long felt disrespected and ignored by her father and a child's feelings of abandonment and disapproval have really fueled all of this. Yeah, and unbeknownst to Doran, Arianne intercepted a letter Doran had sent to Quentin shortly after Quentin had gone to be fostered at Ironwood. Am I the only idiot that uh, pronounced it Euronwood from the first, <laughs> I, like, first time? I totally did. Euronwood. Anyways. And I didn't, no, I didn't change until reasonably recently. <laughs> You listen to the books, okay, Bobby? <laughs> yes. But I also don't say Brian. It's Brian. Brian. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, go ahead. Yep, I pronounced it Euronwood. Um, <laughs> anyways, Doran had sent a letter to Quentin shortly after Quentin had gone to be fostered at Ironwood, indicating that he would one day rule all of Dorne. This one letter seeming to disinherit her has been the source of their relationship struggles for years. Yeah. And still, Arianne planned to do her duty and marry. Still, she was going to do what she was supposed to do, but the matches proposed were so awful, she couldn't do it. She is in tears in her fury, and Dorne has no choice but to lay it all out. He proposed these matches because he needed her to spurn them and trusted she would. He had other plans for Arianne. Yes! She was promised to another who is now dead. But the secret was kept, was kept from her because of her nature. How would she, what she would tell someone, and then it would get out and bring destruction on their house. Who, though, and how did he die? It was a pot of molten gold. We princes make our careful plans, and the gods smash them all awry. So yeah, it was Viserys. <laughs> now that that's no more, Dorne is once more hers, and he has another plot cooking. Quentin has gone to Essos to bring Dorne its heart's desire. Vengeance, justice, fire, and blood. So good. Ah, goosebumps. Yep, all over my arms. So Dorne has not <laughs> been doing nothing. Yep. He just has been doing nothing. That was a very well-constructed well, sentence, Scad. Yeah. yeah. He's just been Playing doing nothing while the... he waits for something. Playing the long game. The long yeah. game. The definition of a long game, for sure. I know, right? <laughs> How about the fact that this this section opens 
with <laughs> this whole, you know, like 18 pages of buildup or something to this meeting. And instead of like diving into it, he just talks about Volantis. Yeah. Volantis is a weird place, huh? <laughs> this is their small talk. They haven't Fucking talked Doran. really for like eight years. <laughs> so, uh, what TV shows you binging these days, Ariane? You ever heard of Netflix? It's pretty cool. Uh, uh, did anybody else think when she says, for the honor of our house, I, in the back of my mind, I'm going, for the honor of Grayskull. <laughs> No, but I will now every time I read it. Anyway. Wow. Yeah. Every single time. And I was kind of like bullcrap for the honor of your house, Ariane. It's for (laughs) Ariane's honor. That's what it's for. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, So this is why I kind of said what I said earlier about you know, he he doesn't really know. He, he he should be able to suspect there's something wrong with their relationship. But he doesn't yeah. know why. Because he is seemingly shocked when she mentions the letter. That he had no idea she knew about these plans. Or that, that she knew that Clinton was supposedly going to take Dorn. And he still, even after being called on it, he lies to her. Like, yeah. Like, dude, the jig is up. Like, bring her in at this just, point, right? Yeah, just finish this thing, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bury it. But Truth. you know, but who, but who else didn't bring in the their his daughters? Like, he probably should have. <laughs> Very famously, um, you know, Ned Stark was the same way, and then Sansa goes and just ruins everything. Initially, <laughs> um. I, so, we've, Matt, so, Matt and I have talked about the the Stark parenting thing a lot, and we yeah. we have slight disagreements about that. Mm. And we think of Ned as a good guy, yeah. but like he, I I agree. I don't think he prepared his children well enough for the world. No, no, because but, I don't. I don't. I mean, I think that he knew that there was danger, but I don't think he ultimately thought that it was going to go that far. Um, anyway. However, we are talking about a 23-year-old here. Yeah. Compared to Ned's 13-year-old. A 23-year-old who's actually going to rule. Yes. And not just get married off and make babies. Well, she get she will get married off and make babies, but she'll she'll be in charge. Yes. Right. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, I don't know where to go. Mm. I have a lot of notes. Where do you guys want to go? You drive. Um, here's the the question that I would have asked in the last section, but I wanted to ask it here. Do you think that this conversation would have been as open and as cathartic and in the end as effective if he would have just had the conversation with her immediately? In other words, not keeping her trapped up in the tower for a month or longer? Huh. In other words, did, did, that, did that time up in the tower accomplish what we've postulated it Doran was trying to accomplish with it in making her a little more malleable or open to actually listening to him. I probably would have said yes. Um, at I don't know, maybe perhaps, but mm-hmm. the problem is right out the gate, she's already gone right back to 
antagonizing him. So, you know, but would she have done it better? I don't know. I She, she might have been able to outscream him. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, so here's here's my a little bit off the wall answer. You 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 want to say like yes this had an effect and mm. by doing so he got her to a place where this conversation was more effective than it would have been. You kind of want to say that like there was a purpose to all of this and an effect. I'm not sure it's true. But if you look if you look at the psychological component that I've talked about a few times and and the the second guessing she's had about this Maester Kaliot drawing up the papers to remove my birthright is he planning to marry me off is he you know, where is Quentin right now? Who told all these things that are playing into her, into her psyche? Maybe they did. Maybe it's not that it got her to a better place to have the conversation about why she did what she did, but maybe she wouldn't have got to the point to break the dam about the real issue, which I don't think was Doran's point at all. He yeah, just wanted to talk about why she did what she of... did and how to cover it up with Marcella. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that she would have gotten to the psychological breaking point to deal with the real issue which was not his intent had he not done that. So like he got, he got an, an outcome he wasn't expecting that's better for them both by doing it, even though it's not what he intended to do. Right. That I think sense. you're, I think, yes. And I think you're right on. I think you hit it right on. I don't think he had any intention of disclosing the the plan at all um, for all the reasons that he listed. Um, and, but when she came out with that information about, the hurt that she'd been carrying for so long that, I mean, the way that Roy Detrice does it, he even sounds like he's crying <laughs> yeah, into really. the microphone. Yes. Um, so you just, you feel that pain um, that he probably felt when she said that, mm -hmm. um, that he just was blind, I think at that point too. So that, that probably um, triggered in him the, the need to disclose something just as mm -hmm. uh, meaningful, you know, I guess quid pro quo. Yeah. No, that's an accurate way of putting it. I hadn't thought of Definitely. that. Hmm. I like that. What, what do you think, Matt? Do I you think it would have been as effective? That's why I asked the question. So I don't have to think about it. And I just <laughs> let you guys answer it. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I think that uh, I think it was indirectly effective, kind of how you both touched on. I think that it was effective um, for Ariane to learn about Ariane. And uh, the Ariane that we get in some of those, I went back and reviewed the two Winds of Winter sample chapters that we have of Ariane. Mm. And that's a very different Ariane than the Ariane that we're reading at the beginning of this chapter and yes. in uh, earlier in A Feast for Crows. This is one who's fully invested in her father's plan. She's mm -hmm. fully invested on doing right by him. Yeah. Uh, the memory of Ares Oakheart lingers to the Winds of Winter, Ariane. Um, the memory of Marcella lingers, but in a way that she's she still feels sad, but she's also learned from it and has become strengthened by it. And I think that that time spent alone with herself uh, helped her get to that point. So, But as Scad mentioned... I don't think that was Doran's original intent. <laughs> yeah, he got he it on accident. Insightful as a, as a parent. Yeah, he got <clears> it on <throat> accident. Yeah, I, I I love that you brought up the future chapters, Matt, because I I think it it underscores a point we all I think we haven't really talked about it yet, but I think we all feel it. Like 
if he had brought her in at some level and made her feel like she had a place, made her feel important, made her feel engaged and involved, I think a lot of these problems would have gone away. And, you know, with, with the whole plot with Marcella and all of it, he gives what I think is a very good reason for not telling her about the betrothal. Because I can see in her exactly the kind of girl that he explains that she, yeah. a secret is nothing more than a, a choice tale to whisper, you know, to Tyene at night. It's it's something, it's, it's a little secret to keep among friends. Well, no, it isn't. And it's very dangerous. And I think he sees that part of her. But, but like you just brought up, when he let her in, she became capable, like, we don't know what the time difference is, I guess, between these chapters and those, but she became capable and invested basically immediately. And so, like, he had this fear about her, and I can see that, but also, like, if you never give people a chance, they're never, they're never gonna, they're never gonna do it right. You gotta they're give never people gonna a be chance. Able to, yeah. Uh, I, but I think if he, I don't think the circumstances were right for her, for him to be able to bring her in without that confession of her hurt, and then his understanding of her pain. Um, and and now I think she's invested not just because whether or not she thinks it's a good plan. I think she's invested because she loves her dad, and it, this is something that he's you know behind. So good point. Um, she feels I like think, he loves her. That, yes, too. and that that too. Yes. So um, it's, it, ultimately, I think that 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 had to happen. They feel like a family again. Oh, that's a good point. The emotional part in this, just the tender feelings between a parent and a child yeah. or something that I hadn't really thought of a whole lot until you just said that. That's excellent. I love I it. I mean, yeah. I mean, expounding on that a little bit, Bobby, I mean, this chapter is ostensibly about a princess in a tower because she took part and inspired, you know, this insurrection. Really, this chapter is just about a father and a daughter and how the relationship went sideways and how they deal with it. Yeah. And yep. and the other thing is just kind of there to drive the rest of it, right? But it's really just about their relationship. It's about that's family. What, that's yeah. what makes this just chapter delectable to me. Yep. And at one point he said that he only, um, he only, what was it? He only fights battles that he knows he can win. Mm-hmm. Well, when he disclosed... When, when she disclosed her hurt and then he disclosed what he did, um, you know, that he loved her, that he never meant to hurt her, and that he had plans for her, grand plans for her. Um, I think that was a risk that he might not have taken because he wasn't quite sure how she was going to react. Yeah, um, yeah. She could have she could, she could just hated him more. She could have hated him a lot more. Um, what's the matter, baby? Hey, pal. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Look at this good mom right here. Just wanted a hug. <laughs> um, so I, I think that, um, oh, I forget what I was saying. Sorry. I think I have ADHD. <laughs> well, uh, you were just talking about that he might not have have been able to trust her with that if she hadn't come forward. Yes, yes. Yeah, so he still might have had to deal with the fallout of now disclosing or bringing her in and her not taking it well. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, sure. um, I'd go and, further. And, and, I don't think he would have. I, yeah. I think she could have gone 25, 26, 30. I'm not sure he yeah. ever would have brought her in. 
I really, right. I'm really not sure. Right. Yeah. Like if I, she I mean, doesn't, I, if she doesn't I, cause this. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. So she, she pushed the right button. So she took a risk by disclosing that, which I don't think she had wanted to. And he took a risk by disclosing that. And that worked for both of their interests for the, for the better. And, and risk is an interesting word because it's almost like what Matt said earlier about what he went through personally this week. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a risk or is it like, I can't stop now? Floodgates opened floodgates, and it's yeah. coming now. And we can bring back Tool into this discussion. Reach Ooh, around. Has a, <laughs> Maynard has a great uh, um, like short little documentary called The Art of Work. And he describes that a lot of what he's done in his life is because of what he calls friction. And what mm. I call stress. Uh, that life is stress. Um, his is friction. And that you either crumble or you conform um and you just you know nice either you come you come out changed and better adapted from it so i i think that's um sort of what we're working through here with this risk that they're taking we're not staying the same we're not being stagnant we're turning into something whole and new and now we have this this vibrancy that comes along with it yeah which is something that they avoided for eight years Yeah, I just cannot wait to see had. what Dorn looks like in Winds of Winter. Just they applied the lube for eight years, <laughs> and now finally they're letting the friction happen. Woo! <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, like you said, this this chapter was incredibly timely for me. Like I'm yeah. studying up about this family relationship. Meanwhile, going through similar things with mine. So it was, mm-hmm. it's cool to see. And to see the similarities. And really, it does come down to family. Yes. Um, and even these two, when they feel like they're losing control, that's when the patience goes out the door. We already talked about that. And I thought that was so funny to see that in this chapter that Doran's like, I'm losing my patience with you, Ariane. As she's like, she sits down in the chair and he's like, I didn't tell you you could sit down, right? Yes. <laughs> and she still just sits down and she's like what are you gonna do about it dude whip me if you want right and he's losing control isn't that funny though how we do that um i know i do it i had a i coach youth hockey with my son who plays hockey and uh last year i coached with a guy who whose kid was on the team as well and he he was a great coach he was motivating he was patient he was well-spoken it was all the things that you want in a youth hockey coach, except when it came to his own kid on the team. And he was short uh, which with him. One was he? Okay. he would yeah. yell at him. He would just like to the point where I had to step in a couple of times, be like, Travis, like, chill out, dude. Like you're yeah. you're tearing your kid down. Like he's he'd bench him, he'd be like, You sucked out there, sit down. You know how to play hockey better than that mm. and all this stuff. But then other kids on the team, he's like, yeah, good job, pal. You're doing great. And uh, I don't know why we're that way, but that Doran can be so patient and measured and everything. But then just Ariane pushes his buttons. And I don't know if this isn't an apples to apples comparison now that I'm thinking it through. (laughs) But um, is it because we have such high expectations on our kids? Is it because we don't want to let them down? Um, that we know that the potential they can reach, and so we're a little bit harder on them because we know them so well. I don't know why we're 
harder on our kids than we are on others. I think that's a that's a deep psychological question, and it probably depends on the person. I think yeah. a lot of them live through their kids, right? And so when they see their kids struggling, they're like, "I'm not going to let them struggle. I live through that." You know, like sure. a lot yeah. of them just want the best for their kids, and they know that hard work can get them to be better. And frankly, a lot of them are just a psychological mess, and they don't they don't treat their kids well. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I think that um, I think a mistake mm-hmm. that a lot of um, parents do, uh, and I know that I did, is that you treat your child like they're less than human. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they have they have feelings. They can have thoughts and plans and um, um, feel feel just as deeply as an adult can. They just you know maybe they can't understand it, express um, it, or verbalize it, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I learned best when I feel like I started just having conversations with my kids like they're adults, um, even though emotionally they might not be able to process things um, as as well as mm-hmm. some adults. Not all, not all adults, not adults can process things well. But I think you guys get what I'm saying. Um, For sure. I totally yeah. get what you're saying, and it resonates yeah. with me. I. I I think I use the excuse a lot that like, oh, they're they're not really old enough to get this, and so like I, you know, I won't really, I won't really bring them into the conversations, and so I, I, I hated the way you put that because it made me feel terrible, I'm treating them less than human. But <laughs> you I, know but when I get... uh, you assume that you uh, anyway. <laughs> but but you're right. I mean, I, yeah. the way the way I understand what you mean now, you're right. You know, yeah. I I don't I don't let them bring their whole emotional palette maybe to the discussion right right and well assume they don't understand things or full disclosure uh i'm a doctor here and uh, (laughs) i still had to have um family therapy and uh you know i i have a mind that probably every teenager needs to have therapy at one point in their lives and got my kids good therapists good therapists yes and and we were able to arbitrate because we didn't see these things it's, mm-hmm. it's really hard to really see those things. And I also wanted to mention that, you know, your kids are, can be a mirror, too. You know, they can show you the worst part of yourself. Oh, well, for sure. Believe me. Absolutely. Yeah. I know this. So yeah. <laughs> um, it's if it's not humbling, um, there's something wrong. <laughs> there's something wrong. Yeah. There's something wrong. Yeah. Our, our therapist, full disclosure as well, is the one, especially he meets with um, my son, has pointed out how we we talk to them or we afford them the same respect in our conversations as we would another adult but at yes. the same time we don't expect them to be an adult you know they're right. not adults my 11 year old is not a mini adult he is an 11 mm-hmm. year old yes and that's how we talked to him anyways what were we talking about this was my fault this was completely we were talking no 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 we were uh, talking about how this chapter is if you boil it down on the relationship the really screwed up relationship between a father and his daughter. Right. And where Doran, who out. seems so in control, let this all go because of communication issues and mm-hmm. maybe just expecting her to know things. You know, I'm going to leave these books and I expect her to read them, but I'm not going to tell her that I expect her to read them. Yeah. Uh, or in the mm-hmm. same sense, being like, I expect if I brought her into this, telling the stories like we talked about earlier on the podcast, if I bring Ariane in on this plan 
she's just going to go tell it to all her friends and it's going to ruin everything. And what a bad assumption. I mean, I'm, you know, I, you know what? I mean, I'm not sure it's a bad assumption about a 14 year old. You're right. But we're talking about an eight year gap here where that's true. Like, I mean, for, for some things, maybe not, but, yeah. Yeah. but this is a huge risk. So I get it being is. careful it with is. it. Right, like if this yeah. slips, it's the end of Dorn. He thinks, and we just—I right? just said how big of a risk was because he didn't know how she was going to handle it even now. But right. at the same time, but, maybe but you don't tell years. her right when she's fourteen. Maybe right. it's not yeah. right when she's fourteen. Maybe it's when yeah. she's seventeen or she's eighteen. Or maybe you give her a little bit now and a little bit later. Yes, but it's mm-hmm. yeah, it all comes down to listening and communication, and then from there gauging, you know, what is safe or what they're ready for, rather than just telling yourself a story that she's not ready. You know? Sometimes I wonder um, what Doran was like before Ilaria was killed. Before, was I mean was Aaliyah? B- yeah, Aaliyah? before okay. yeah, his sister. B- uh-huh. b- b- yes, before that Aaliyah. whole thing happened. Hmm. Did did he um was was there a different dynamic between him and the mother of his children? Because now they're estranged. Was there a different dynamic between the way he acted towards his children? Because some part of me thinks that the moment that happened there was a period of transition where he pulled away and yeah. he started just having this single mindedness, this tunnel vision. Um, and you know, that's just speculation, but I wonder if that's kind of how things were. I wouldn't be surprised. That's a really good question. What was he like before all of this? Yeah. 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 I think they, they say maybe this was just in Westeros musical. I don't remember if it's in the text anywhere. Um, but I, but I remember, oh, I, love that. I remember, uh, the character that plays, uh, Oberyn, one of the twins. Yeah. Um, I don't remember which of the twins it was now. I'm, I'm, that's sad. Um, L maybe. Um, but anyway, Oberyn says, um, you know, that, that Elia was her heart. The, the Elian was, was Doran's heart, not Doran's, but Doran's. And so I wonder yeah. if what you're saying, Bobby, is kind of kind of right in that respect that that when she died, a lot of the a lot of the light. compassion and and light and hope went out of Doran because they were mm-hmm. I think they were very close, and well, you know a lot of a lot of the things that I've heard and, and even the way I felt is that Malario gets a lot of the blame for mm-hmm. like what happened because we don't know much about like why she left and. And all these things but it seems like she gets a lot of the blame for like not being there like she just gave up on the marriage or fell out of love with him and mm-hmm. left or you know, all these things yeah. but we don't know it could be the opposite right. it could be that yeah. doran pulled away and it was just untenable for her to stay it's a loveless marriage and and difficult um so that's i i like that thought i i, I haven't really put that much into it until right. you until you brought that up yeah and that's when the gout set in back to our metaphor yeah, I know, right? Oh, I gotta, I gotta write the this. heart, the heart left, and there was a gap for the gout to take root. This, okay. the gout this goes in my, root. this goes in my outline. <laughs> mm. yeah. Okay, uh, you guys got much else here? Uh, I'm all, surprised. I'll... I'm surprised at how much we've already had. Yeah. We're, we're we're coming up on three hours here. Holy uh, moly. A lot of it comes down to communication and we're, we're still harping on this. It's a story about a father and a daughter communicating, but 
um, what is he uh, when she's when she asks who it was that she was promised to, and obviously Viserys and Doran says it makes no matter he's dead. Ugh, Doran, but it does matter. This matters. This communication matters. Yes, he's dead. I get that. Yeah, but this isn't about the who anymore. This is about your daughter knowing that you cared about her enough to go through all this trouble to arrange for her future and everything. This lack of communication is helping no one. And he still isn't quite getting it in this conversation that this stuff matters right now. Yeah. Um, back to the back, back to the Elia thing and his heart. He's way more concerned with the what and the how and not the why. Right. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and, he should be able to look at his daughter and be like, she needs the why she needs yeah. the circumstances around all of these things. And he just doesn't, he's, he's already looking to the future of like what the next move is on the, on the board. Right. And he doesn't care <laughs> or, he, or he doesn't think to care or he's got almost like, I don't know. I, this is probably a bad person, like Abed in community. Like just his brain doesn't really process that way. It's just almost right. like, I don't yeah. want to make excuses for him, but it's just like, he's moving ahead. Like, that's in the past. Like, move on. That's in the past. We're doing this now. This is the thing. Mm-hmm. What it feels like at times when you're when you're reading it is he is giving a monologue to an empty room and his daughter is a ghost that's, like, trying Been to there. communicate. <laughs> and make some get, get through so that could you get to the point. Yes. And then. <laughs> and then. Uh, and, no and one it, then. It just never. Yes. So um, you, you do feel that uh, for sure. Yeah, it's about listening to what she needs, right? That's another thing we've learned in therapy is that sometimes the person who you're talking to doesn't need the truth. They just yeah. need you to know that um they just need to know that you hear them and that you care, right? Yeah. And she just needs to know that her dad cared about her. Like yes. that's what she needed at that moment. But you're right, Scad. Doran's just I love the comparison to Abed. He's very much like, "Okay, next step." right mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. keep moving forward i have this plan that's been simmering for 16 years which we talked yeah. about this simmering. in our uh, last episode scad of or with the time when we covered this in davos fingers of what has he been doing for 16 years yeah. <laughs> yes. sitting around yeah. waiting washing that, washing that pot yeah. boil you know, i've made some calls I've, I've... yeah I've done some research online. You know, you only have to apply for two jobs a month to file for unemployment. Did you know that? <laughs> uh, one more thing about Doran, and I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about this. Hmm. He admits that he knew about the plot before they run off to the desert, and that he could have stopped it beforehand, and he cho- he chose not to. He said, I needed to know what you would do. Yeah. And and yet, out of the other side of his mouth, he's saying, this was so dangerous. It was so bad. This could be open war. And it's like, you're so careful about some of these things. And yet, you let this happen instead of stopping it. And you knew the risks. The risks were open war with the Iron Throne. And you didn't stop it. He's almost as much to blame as she is. He could have stopped this. And he chose not to. Yep, he did. Hmm. Is part of is part of the reason for him doing that now because, what uh, like you said before, he 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 doesn't know how to zig when he should have zagged. He can't 
he had a plan and then the plan got messed up when um Viserys died and so now he's trying to do this thing with Quentin and Daenerys but the problem is he's only half-hearted invested in that at this point and now the the object of his of his plan is dead you know Tywin's dead mm-hmm. he wanted Tywin alive to see this fruition and he wanted Viserys to marry Arian. he had that so now he's it's almost like he's just he's been doing he's been following this track for 17 years and now he can't get off yeah. So he's so he's just substituting whatever he can to follow it through, thinking, well, if war happens in the meantime, I didn't give up. <laughs> so you mean he's... It, it, it is, <laughs> is is that like you know I I remained unbowed, unbent, and unbroken. Well, not quite unbroken, but you know what I mean. <laughs> That's true. So you mean he was willing to let Ariane do this little rebellion in the desert because he still had the plot with Quentin going and that's where his focus was. I don't think I followed. I I think the reason why is it's like, he's basically to the point where, well, if it happens, it happens. Ride or die. Ride or die. That's kind of, I feel like that's kind of where he's at. But then he sends Ario to stop it. So like, why not just send, why not just stop it before they get that far? (sighs) Because he's for the same reason why he doesn't have plans to really tell Arian anything about this plot when he pulls her out of the tower and then does it anyway. I, I really do think just like she's been, and this is just something that popped in my head. She's because she's been softened for, from, by her time in the tower. He's sort of been softened in how mm. the, these series of events have now played out. And I, I, I'm wondering if at some point, when he saw this happening, he was just like, nope, I can't, I can't allow this. I, I've got to do something. Um, so he was going to be, he was going to allow it just to see how far it would go, not thinking it could go that far. Exactly. And then he's like, no, no, now I have to. Wait mm-hmm. a minute. Yes. Okay. All right. I see that. And I'm hoping. I re- Still I really seems like hope. a huge risk to me, but I, yeah, it, well, it yeah. but if you, if you think about it, that's, it's very human. <laughs> mm. uh, very human. Um, and I'm hoping that when they've seen that that kind of that kind of indecisiveness, that kind of uh, distraction by this emotion, by these assumptions, um, can be very devastating. Uh, that we'll see an assertiveness that we haven't seen from Dorne in all the other books in the next book. I'd that's like a, to think that. Yeah, that that's a good that's a good forward looking message. I am really interested to see what we Yay! see from Dorne. Yeah. And Ariane mm. too, based yeah, on for sure. And instead uh, and of him being withered, he'll have this final push. You know. It says even in the one of the winds chapters, I can't remember which one, that he stood up from his chair to mm. say goodbye to Ariane. Mm. Would would have had to be the first one. And so he actually arose, which is something that the guy couldn't even stand in this chapter, right? So right. a lot of people when they do, yeah when a lot of people when they don't have a purpose, um, that can um, really affect your physical uh, health. Mm-hmm. And the now man with, you know okay. purpose it could be more rejuvenated. Could be you know he he kind of had that purpose when Tywin was there, then lost the purpose when Tywin died, and 
and got it even more defeated when he found out um, that this betrothal wasn't going to happen. So I, I think now he's got. I'm just repeating myself. He sees something. Are you ready? Got, no, he sees something. <laughs> yeah. A man with gout purpose is no man at all. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Oh, I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good question of why did he let it happen? It's an awfully big risk. Uh, I wouldn't discount his trust in Hota in thinking that, you know, as long as Hota's there, yeah. Yeah. as long as Hota's there, I can stop this from going too far. Um, even then, he was he was almost wrong. Darkstar was awfully close. Yeah. Uh, Ariane wonders, and we kind of glossed over this question a little bit of who told, who told, um, and I think all of her reasoning makes sense. Darkstar wouldn't have told, Ares wouldn't have told, her friends I don't think would have told, but maybe one of them did. We don't know them well enough. Uh, I wonder if this is a boring answer. If Doran just had an actual like ninja spy observing things that were going on like someone who was like a Varys's little bird type guy mm-hmm. oh, who was right. just kind of sneaking around and reporting back and if none of her circle actually told but they had someone in there just listening in and reporting back and maybe Doran thought I have enough intel I have enough people close by that I can stop something from happening I think that's a I think that's a really good a good good bet sometimes these questions are, are proposed you know who told you know and you assume you assume there's an answer because they're asking the question over and over again mm-hmm. but there isn't an answer it's it's a faulty question right the the, the faulty narrative again right the bad narrator right yeah nobody, nobody did why do you assume someone did it's all those trust issues she has again right Ariane goes through all those and options and so we think those are the only options <laughs> because right. she thinks they're the only options Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good point. Yep. Um, let's see. Got any other notes, Bobby, that you want to hit? Well, just that that's probably more so than any other time in the book. And, you know, I could be wrong. I've, I I don't know if um, Scott told you this, Matt, but I've only gone through the whole entire series once. Don't judge me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we you're, can call the rest of this time, this rest of this episode. Just don't judge, Bob. Just don't um, judge. Just your don't memory judge. is remarkable for uh, having only read the series through once. So the only, to you. yay! That's how I got through med school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the best line ever at the end of a chapter. Mm-hmm. I just when he takes the Savas dragon. Sivas dragon, however you want to say it, and sticks it in her hand and says fire and blood the way he does. I'm just feel it in my bones. I just made myself have goosebumps. How can you not? Yeah, I get it too. Mm. Why do you think that is? <laughs> like words on a page and you can hear it, right? Yes. I, I've not heard yes. Roy's voice, so I don't know. But the words on the page give me goosebumps even. Yeah. I wonder well, why that is. I don't I, know. I don't it's mean to tell you what you're... Fire. It's a song of ice and fire, ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to tell you what you're feeling, but I think part of it in this case has to do with the fact that we're seeing a man known for being so 
so inactive and so mm. scared and timid and meek the and grass. we're seeing mm-hmm. and we're seeing him become a viper right in front of yep. us yes Ooh, just well with this visceral language and mm-hmm. that sort of transformation is meaningful to us and so it kind of raises our hair right mm-hmm. and you said elia was elia right was Dor- was dorn's heart mm-hmm. And he says they're going to go get their heart's desire, which is vengeance, justice, Ooh, fire, and blood. Yeah. yeah. Their heart's desire, Dorn's heart, Elia's vengeance, justice, her fire, and blood. There you go. Ooh. Work, so that into, work that into awesome. a gout thing somehow. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. No, that made sense. Uh, what you said about it. becoming the viper and everything, too. It's like the... Walter White line in Breaking Bad, I'm the one who knocks, right? Oh. The, mm. Honey, he just quoted Breaking Bad. <laughs> You're welcome, Corey. <laughs> you know, that, that that's when you see, that's one of the moments you see the chemistry teacher who wants to set up his family after he dies of cancer become the real bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Mm. I can't remember the context of that. I mean, let's Google it later. Oh, it's been a minute since I've seen that show too. Well, so good. Well, this chapter has been a joy. Yes, it has. Bobby, it's been great getting inside your brain. Delightful, and uh, (laughs) and 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 getting your contributions here. You've had a lot of great thoughts. Shall we move to sign-offs? Let's do it. Who goes first? Uh, would you like to go first? Guess first. Guess first. I told my husband it's like the only sign-off I could think of. <sighs> Be excellent. <laughs> Be excellent to each other. Yes. Be excellent to each other. <laughs> Bill and Ted's. Uh, Love it. That's all Such I can a say. timely reminder. It really yes. is. Be yep. excellent to each other. Yep. And I'll... I'll try to stay on that positivity note too. And this is Matt just reminding you to communicate with the people you love. Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm going dark side. Please balance Woo! us out. This is getting Hide your way kids. too flowery. Hide your wife. <laughs> A song of madness is here in three days. <laughs> yes. Good night, Calisa. Good night, everybody. This is all going in the outtakes now. Nothing is sacred. Nothing is secret. Oh, boy. But also nothing can't be ash canned if we hate it. We ash can very little, frankly. But No. Oh. We, we is actually me. I hold a world of power on this podcast. <laughs> as long as you deliver on Thursday, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> There's been a couple of occasions where I've been like, okay, Scott, I kept this part in. Let me know what no, you think. Yeah. And but I'm I'm totally kidding. You are you are an excellent awesome. steward of 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 the flame and are well, very you careful. You both are to make better sure. than I am. <laughs> I'm not I'm clueless about all that stuff, so <laughs> well, I just mean he when he when he hears something he's like, Hey, you might not be proud of this. Should we take it out? <laughs>
Oh man. It's happened on it's happened on like only like two or three occasions. Two or three times, yeah. Total in what is it now? Five years or something? Mm-hmm. No, it's yeah. like five six. Years. No, no, it's six. Almost, I was gonna say as, it's six yeah, and it's a half. More than that. We started Cause... in August of twenty fourteen, didn't we? Holy yeah. crap. Yeah, I it's it's in the notes that we're gonna talk about it, but Yes. I met you at Ice and Firecom, <clears throat> but you you knew us before then? Yes. Yeah. So I think I think Brooke had already left when I found the podcast, and um, oh. but I started listening from the get go because I had been wanting to find a well maybe I shouldn't say all this but I had been wanting to find something like a book club type mm-hmm. feel, and um, y'all's was the closest that I could stand. Most as much as I yes, <laughs> yes. you you have she could you stand have to... us. <laughs> you you have to sound a certain way, or I just can't listen to it. it doesn't matter how good the content is. Yeah. You just have to sound that. a certain way. I hear that. Yep, yeah, I hear that. I have to be so, too. I, I find I have different moods, and I only discovered this in the last year or two. But I have different moods depending on what I'm what I'm interested in. Some mm-hmm. days, like I want history of Westeros. I want I want radio Westeros. I want like the deep details dive. of the deep dive and i want the analysis and i want it but other times i can't the, there's no way my brain's ready for all of that and i just need lighter Pulp. or i need music or i need <laughs> you know something else clerks clerks yeah. <laughs> Wayne's i heard he's gonna do a clerks three it's apparently it's been rumored works. for a while yeah oh it's, my gosh is it, is it active now i i mean he's threatened that a few times but He's he said he's rewritten the script. So I remember when you and I, Scad, went to see him live. He came yeah. here to Salt Lake and did a show. Yeah, it was awesome. And that was probably 2016-ish or so, sure. maybe. Something like Brooke, that. I think Brooke was still on the cast at that point. So, yeah, it was probably around then. And he had a script written for Clerks 3, he was saying. Yeah. And, uh, oh, my gosh. Apparently, he's he completely scrapped that one and has written another one. So, but it was another year after that or so when I remember seeing a casting call for extras for Mall Rats. He was going to do Mall Rats, yeah. And then that, and like it, it felt to me like it was a sure go. And then that got canceled. And then he did Jay and Bob. I was like, whoa, okay. Are you a Kevin Smith person, Bobby? I can't remember. I am not to the point where I watched all of Dogma. But to the point where I, I did, I did watch. Fair. I'm sorry. I'm fair. sorry. Fair. <laughs> okay. No, but uh, fair. I, and I should now because I just so love Alan Rickman. But um, uh. no, I, I did, I did, I did do. Clerks was a big thing, and I, I was always ashamed to like admit that I loved watching Clerks. It was like a, a you know, I'm gonna come out of my Kevin Smith closet one of these days. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I watched Clerks a lot in high school. So, and then Mallrats, and then when yeah, My too. Name Is Earl came out, I was like, "What happened to Jason Lee?" <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, not. I have one of them framed, but I have these that I bought oh, so the last two years. Oh, nice! I have I all. Think, I, I think... have all six Stark yes! children with their wolves. I I just have Ghost. Yeah. Oh yeah, you have Ghost. I have them in there somewhere. Uh-huh. But I've not framed. I've not framed any of them. I, I framed Arya. Arya, I framed, and then I ran out of steam <laughs> that day, and uh, they've just been sitting here unframed for these empty, terrible walls that you see behind you. You, you ran out of steam to frame pictures. 
Oh my gosh, that's that requires. Hey, I'm the same way. I I, I have like. Well, sometimes you have to like trim them down and stuff, right? I'm yes, I have to trim them down. So here's the frame. It's not. Some people can just magically just throw them up there and they look good, and other times, yeah, it becomes analysis paralysis. Mm -hmm. And I just can't. I'm surprised you're calling me on it, Matt, because you know what it is. It's time. Mm -hmm. It's. Anytime during the day I try to do anything like this, it's like the kids are like, no, no, we're doing this other thing now. And if I do it at night, it's like, well, I could be podcasting or watching Avengers or. You could always resort to violence. Catching I'm up just on. Saying. That's not usually the advice you give me. It's advice I'm too eager to take. All right. I'm seriously just trying to calm down and not go. Right now, so oh just... no you're gonna do awesome this is so fun i mean we're the ones that are excited no, not I think. this part i'm just like i get to have you two by myself this is so cool. <laughs> well we're not we feel alone. the same there... way we feel the same way dozens of people <laughs> awesome. listen to this later yep mm. <laughs> no this is just a sound check remember maybe like the high dozens the high dozens give me a second <laughs> we got people knocking <laughs> Are we gonna edit that not, out? Please let not, it out. No, we'll keep it out. Oh, yeah, there we go. So, um, yeah, Cinderella. Um, you're right. That was not. That was Guns N' Roses. <laughs> no, before that, who was it? Before I don't know. I don't know who it was. That it matter. Is. <laughs> nope. Um. All right, let me look at my notes. And that's sad. I have to look at my notes about what I actually wanted to say about myself. Um, I'm gonna. I need some water. My mouth is super dry, so I'm gonna get some water real quick. Just like. Oh 10 my seconds. gosh. Ten seconds, Matt. Ten seconds. Yeah, thirty. <laughs> How are you feeling so well, far? So far, so good. Yeah. These are these are epic episodes you guys put out. We do. They so, are really long. Yeah. Are they too long sometimes? Or no. Do you enjoy the length? Okay. No. So I'll, I'll tell you, we, um, I keep on bringing Corey into this because he's in here. He's very, better. he's just as excited as I am. I see you like looking at me past the computer. Because I have earbuds in and he can't hear you. <laughs> oh, darn it. We'll tell so, him hi. Okay. Him we Matt him. says hi. <laughs> yep. We're talking about Corey Scad. We saying hi to Corey? He's in the room. Yeah, we're saying hi to Corey. He's off camera. So, um, yeah, we'll save it until a little more, listen to the episode when it comes out. But we listen to several other episodes that are very long, um, or podcasts that are very long. Creators, whatever you want to call them. Sure. Um, uh, Lucifer Means Lightbringer, he puts out some stuff that is like two hours and three hours. Um, Mm -hmm. We listen to true crime stuff. Mm. Me being morbid. But there's... um, (laughs) This, You're fulfilling this, that gap. If you guys are looking into really like basement humor, I mean, just hilarious, but at the same time morbid. Um, there's this uh, uh, patron called Eleven Fifty Nine Media. Eleven Fifty Nine. Yeah, they have okay. Dark Topic is one, and they have like four shows: Dark Topic, Nine Eleven Calls with the Operator, uh, and True Crime Kent. Listen to True Crime Kent. You will laugh your asses off. True, True Crime Kent. Yes. 
Their shows are on average anywhere between an hour and a half to an hour and 45 usually. And you just, it's the banter. If you guys can do banter well, you will find a, a fan base that just absolutely adores you. So We wouldn't know. You Shall we go to part two? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not agreeing with that. Banter is not what we... <laughs> Stick to the scripts, Cad. And yes. after they went to... Okay. <laughs> Which, ironically, we are reading a scripted part right now. <laughs> yes, we are reading a scripted part. As scripted as we go, anyway. Yep. I, I want... I w- come at oh, the gal... Oh, I just cussed. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I, Any, I won't spoil it else? for people that are wanting to watch Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'll but edit it out. It's the one where remember yes. where the the one scientist who he's training, the real sweet guy, Gail, yeah, 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 that likes to listen to opera or whatever it is, gets shot. Mm-hmm. They knock yeah. on his door and he opens the door and shoot him. Yes. And um, Walter's wife. Now I forgot her name. Freaking a, white, white, mm. white. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. How did I forget her name? Um. Anyways, <laughs> she she's telling him like, what if someone knocks on our door one day? and shoots you or shoots me or something. And he, he like kind of loses his patience with her. And he's like, no, no one's going to knock on our door because I'm the one who knocks. Skylar. That's her name. Skylar Skylar White. White. Yeah. And you see her face just go like, (gasps) yeah, yeah, it's awesome. You married a monster. Yep. Or you married a man who became a monster Mm. or the monster was always inside. Anyway. Yep. (laughs) I I am of a mind that the monster was always there and it just needed the right push or the wrong push. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Potato, potato. <laughs> tomato, tomato. Yep. <laughs> Bobby, thank okay. you. That was it. Thank Bobby, thank we did you. it. Don't hang up. I, Don't hang up. <laughs> I'm not hanging up. I'm hitting okay. pause. Am I supposed to hit pause or stop or whatever? Yeah, we can. On the we can stop. It's yep. fine. Um, 